That one was a doozy. What am I doing here? Why do I keep doing this to myself? Hey everybody, you are listening to Canary Cry Radio, and Razzle Dazzle, I'm your best buddy Basil. And this is Gans. Welcome to 162, the Burning Man episode, the long-awaited redemption episode. It's gonna We're be back. Good. Yep. We're back. Yes. We, uh, of course, if you remember the tragic story of last year's Burning Man research episode, uh, where the memory card holding all of the precious materials, the assets, as they say in the biz, is, uh, if not in the detritus of some, uh, dirty burners van than it is buried out there on the playa but this year we're back baby we're making it happen uh if you are a listener of canary cry news talk you've heard a couple of the small mini reports i've brought back from uh, burning man 2023 or if you're a longtime canary cry radio episode listener you know you know what's about to happen <laughs> and uh we're excited to get back to producing some i i think pretty high quality high production value pieces it's a little different than usual guns we've been we've been in the live space for so long it's kind of nice to get back into the laboratory yeah it's pretty time consuming but it's the longevity it's the lasting effect of evergreen content but i have to say before we go into anything to all the people who have maybe said some not so nice things about christians being at burning man Mm -hmm. go stand in the midst of burning man and bring up important spiritual and religious questions and then you can talk that's all I got to say, because Basil, I'm tremendously proud of you for doing what you did. And this episode documents uh, the courage and uh, just the, yeah, the the dedication and the, the commitment and the faith uh, that you exhibit there. Great job. I'm so proud of you. And uh, yeah, we're excited. Well, that's very man. Sweet. This is a good episode. Thank you very much. Yes, you will hear. So uh, as we've been doing these Burning Man research episodes for many years now, um, you know, we, we want to try to make sure to bring back new and engaging and important uh, data and material and assets. And uh, yeah, this year was a little bit different. Of course, uh, Burning Man as a whole was a little bit different this year, as we've seen in the headlines. Uh, but I did get in there, got down and dirty, started having uh, conversations, uh, spiritual, religious conversations with people who either they were standing in line for the porta potties or waiting <laughs> to get their noses waxed or you'll hear about it all. Uh, but it was it was much more of the, a sort of guerrilla warfare experience. But I think it uh, I think it's coming together quite quite nicely. I'm very proud of it. And so thank you for saying that here publicly, so everybody can know that I am uh, trying my hardest not to drag you down, guys. <laughs> Guns, we first became aware of Carl Teichrib, uh and his uh, research, 
I mean, maybe 10 years ago or so, if you are on the Canary Cry newsletter, and if you're not, you should go join that. Go to canarycry.party, and uh, you'll see a place to sign up for the newsletter there. But I recently sent out a list of all of our other uh, Burning Man research-related episodes going all the way back to November 1st, 2014, Canary Cry Radio episode 78, Transformative Events with Carl Tightgrip. And that's when we first learned that Burning Man, counter to literally everything you hear from every other person on the internet, is not uh, just sort of a bunch of hippies out in the desert uh, debaucherying. Uh, I mean, it does include what? those things. I know. Gasp. I thought they were doing human sacrifices and, <laughs> and it's just one big occult ritual. You know, if you were a sort of casual observer, or maybe even more than a casual observer, if you're if you consider yourself hooked in with the sort of Christian truther uh, community or ecosystem online undoubtedly have you heard unfortunately the most uninformed takes on burning man that could possibly exist i'm not going to name names but you know who you are because there's a there's a temptation there's a temptation for christians to approach a lot of things like this with uh, a a certain level of uh uninformedness because of course as a christian you would never go near such a thing Uh, but also unfortunately a level of ignorance as well Uh, the the idea that you would have um i don't know a, a sort of informed experience as to what burning man is is sort of a repulsive thing to a lot of christians and i'm not saying i'm surprised about it but i think it is unfortunate You may have heard uh, online personalities talking about, uh, well, basically just being mean, (laughs) just sort of being mean about it. Ah, those hippies, let them burn. I can summarize it in uh, some real basic clips here. We all know the guy who started Burning Man. He's a Satanist. Of course. Of course. Of course. We know that. Uh, Everybody, it's because of um, the problem of sin. Sinful generation. That. We even have something like Burning Man and, uh, you know, you know what they do there. They sacrifice babies and melt those babies into candles. Oh, yeah. I heard that episode. (laughs) Well, in 2014, we learned from Carl Teichrib that there's something more to it. It is what he calls a transformative event. And in this postmodern, post-Christian, secular world of ours, uh, there is a yearning in the human spirit Uh, to replace um, all of the sorts of rites of passage, the holy days, the uh, rituals, the ceremony of religious life. And uh, that's kind of what Burning Man has become for a lot of people. You'll hear a lot more about it during the episode. But I want to encourage everybody to uh, approach this topic with an open mind. By no means are we trying to... uh, invite anybody to go to burning man if that's what they if that's not what they want to do uh but it is important to understand exactly what is happening because what happens at burning man is more than uh what happens 
at Burning Man. What happens at Burning Man doesn't stay at Burning Man. And what we've tracked in the past is how the ideologies, the ideas, the trends, the spirituality, everything uh, that uh, sort of grows out of Burning Man or is uh, sort of initiated. A lot of times these things are initiated at Burning Man and then spread throughout the globe. It definitely a sort of uh, globalist ideological spraying device (laughs) for lack of a more poetic way to describe it. Um, But in 2014, that's when Carl Teichrib changed our minds about it. And it has been such an essential tool in our line of work, Guns, to be able to see things coming before they happen. And Burning Man has been uh, almost like a whiteboard upon which global, ideological, revolutionary, progressive uh, plans are made and experimented uh, on, and then they make their way around the globe, even up into elite circles such as Davos, as uh, those might remember from some of our previous follow-ups about Burning Man. But go get on our newsletter. Uh, You can check out Canary Cry Radio episode 144, 130. 134, 132, and 78, as well as a couple other supplementary things uh, on the RSS feed and Patreon there. And you will be, I guarantee you will be more informed about the truth about Burning Man than uh, 99% of the people who claim uh, to have the inside scoop uh, online or IRL. Now, Gons, uh, for those who listened to the Canary Cry News Talk episode, they know it was kind of a strange thing. Last year, there was a disaster where all of uh, the material that I collected at Burning Man was lost, uh, and it still breaks my heart to think about it. Um, And so we really wanted to look for a new way of exploring the data uh, this year and something strange happened something strange happened at burning man can you even imagine uh i really was not planning on doing the research trip this year but suddenly the tickets due to economic factors due to weather due to uh even the war in ukraine in a lot of cases uh thousands and thousands of tickets were put on the secondhand market and when these tickets you know they can easily get up to $1,500 per ticket. They were suddenly online on sale for like $100. So I took it as a sign. (laughs) This year might be a year to go check it out. And if you pay attention to online uh, headlines, certainly you saw that the drama unfolded, which you'll hear more about in this episode as well. Uh, But I am... You know, in 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 my work and in my life, it's, there's always a question: Does this is this something the Lord wants me to do? Is this a place the Lord wants me to go? If obstacles come up, is that a sign from the divine that I am supposed to turn around? Well, I've always lived uh, with the understanding that if the Lord doesn't want me to do something, He will shut the door. Just to have a couple obstacles get in the way, that's not enough uh, for the Lord to uh, keep me out of something I feel he has called me to. In fact, 
If a door shuts, the door is shut and a new way is open. But just a couple obstacles popping up in the doorway, that's usually the enemy trying to convince you uh, that you were mistaken about what the Lord was calling you to. Now, of course, this year had its own set of obstacles, and there were listeners of the show, producers of the show, who were uh, contemplating whether or not to beg me to not go. But I think uh, that I think that what came out of this year is um, really important, not just for, you know, a sort of individual report about an individual event, but also the broader picture spanning decades uh, chronologically and spanning the world as we watch it descend into uh, arguably uh, some some events and timelines that uh, are relevant to biblical prophecy, Gons. Yeah, it certainly helps us understand the times and a big chunk of the explanation for what we're seeing in society and culture today. And with that, this year, uh, we made a point. I, I did not feel really the call to put out the fundraising uh, attempts to try uh, and, and you know, gather as much financial support as possible for this, uh, for this undertaking. It was... Um, thankfully, uh, most of it was quite cheap and taken care of already. But, you know, we are still value for value gons, which means we cr- try to create as much value as possible. And uh, those who get value from what we do, they're invited. They're invited into the paradigm shift. That is the value for value model, which means we take no corporate money whatsoever. We are not uh, connected to the wishes, the will, the corporate policies, the strategies uh, that hinder so many pieces of media, especially online and especially nowadays. Uh, But we are entirely funded by people who get value from this show. And, you know, we did have uh, a couple people send in some encouraging words and some finances. Uh, but, of course, guns, we call them producers. And executive producers are those who come in and they support any individual episode for 100 bucks or more. Uh, and you know what? I wanted to give a big old shout out to executive producer uh, of this episode. Executive producers. That is executive producer, Sir, that's right, he's a knight of the Canary Cry Roundtable, Sir Jacob Highline Haas, a knight of the Issachar Pursuit. I really appreciate that, Sir Jacob. Thank you very much, Sir Jacob, for your executive producership. Where'd you find this? And Sir Jacob uh, sent a note with his producership here, and he says, Basil, one ill turn does not deserve another. If there is a way to make that phrase fit the Burning Man situation, then maybe this will help. The report is only half the equation. The other half is you being there on location planting gospel seeds. And uh, man, that is the most relevant uh, executive producer note, perhaps, in the history of the show. Thank you very much, Sir Jacob. Highline Haas and Knight of the Issachar Pursuit. And if you, dear listener, want to uh, participate in the Value for Value model, become one of the team around here, uh, produce the show with your time, your talent, or your treasure, you can learn more about that by going to canarycry.support. Canary. 
Well, Gans, do you have anything else to say before we get into the episode here? I think the people want to get right into it. Jump in. Jump in. It's time to go. Time to get dusty. Time to get rained on. Time to get stuck in the mud, folks. But more than everything, it's time to get informed about Burning Man 2023. Let's go. Chapter 1. Basil searching for Carl and the camp of the unknown god. Coming to you live from Burning Man. Check one, check two. Okay, here we are on the roll using a new little recorder device machine. This is your best buddy Basil. I have been riding my bike for about 45 minutes straight now. Uh, in the location that I was told that Carl Tigrib in the camp of the Unknown God would be. And I uh, have not found them. However, I will not give up. I really hope this wind is not a problem. Um, that's the thing with these little recording devices. I can't monitor them. There, maybe if I cover it like that, that might do the trick. Okay, here I am. I've been, there's about a, I don't know, four block radius that they said that they would be located by they. I mean, Bob and Carl and Audrey and the whole team. And uh, problem is, four blocks in Burning Man terms, yeah, that's, I don't know, maybe a total of a mile? Maybe a mile. Maybe a little over a mile. I remember last time, they had a sign, and their sign said, Camp of the Unknown God. So I, oh, excuse me. I really have only one way of finding them, and that is to either see their face or see their sign. And I have yet to say either. So here I am, I'm riding my bike. It currently is Thursday. I arrived basically on Wednesday, had to uh, set up camp, get acquainted with the situation on Wednesday, had a couple of issues, but wasn't too bad, sort of the normal amount of issues. Excuse me if I run out of breath, because I'm riding a bicycle against the wind. I've uh, gone ahead and started asking the neighbors around here if they have met Carl or heard of the Camp of the Unknown God. So far, no takers. This is becoming a much more difficult task than I was expecting it to be. But I will say this, the theme for this year's Burning Man, Animalia, which rung so many bells when we first hit it, especially when you see the sort of branding material put together by the Burning Man organization. Very, not just like, we love animals, we love deer and lions. It's like, whoa, wouldn't it be cool if like a lion had antlers in the body of a lizard? And the and the tail of a of a different kind of lizard. And they're like, yeah, man, that's trippy. Let's go with that. That's cool. Burning Man. 
And so it's not even that there is like a celebration of the natural animal kingdom. It's more like, again, uh, what's the word? It's like a reimagining. If we as humans could reimagine, not just in a transhuman sense, what could it mean to be a human? Like what else could humans be? But it's almost this new thing where it's like, we know what regular animals are, but what is trans animal? What could, what could we imagine that would uh, improve upon the natural world? But it's sort of draped in this veneer of like love of nature, love of uh, whatever, natural world, you get it. But it's infected with this sort of transhuman ideology, which, of course, as we spend a lot of time figuring out, is sort of the theme of the elite uh, sort of agenda injection into everyday life, but is now spreading. Like, can nothing just be what it is the way it was created? Do we have to reimagine every living creature into some more? It's almost like human beings in elite situations can, are just bored. They're just bored of reality, which as I'm saying it out loud is of course what's going on. But they're bored of reality, bored of regular animals, we gotta reconsider what an animal can possibly be. So here I am, still searching. I've covered uh, maybe a block and a half since we've been rambling. Um, but I'm a little bit afraid. I'm a little bit afraid. What if they didn't put out their sign? What if, I don't know. I don't know what their thing looks like. I talked to Carl, talked to Bob beforehand. Not a whole lot of service. Holy smokes. Huge dust storm. Oh my gosh. My eyeballs are stopping the bike. Ow. Hold on. Can't see. Yeah, here you go. Here's a live explanation of what it's like to be in a Burning Man dust storm. It's uh, not just windy and dusty, but the dust is basically... Oh no, my sunglasses flew away and my hat. Oh, disaster. Classic Burning Man disaster. Oh no. Okay, bikes on the ground. Hats on the ground. Okay. Oh my gosh. All right, folks, I'm gonna take a second here. I'm just gonna sit right here. I'm just gonna stand. Get all my stuff. Hats on the head. Glasses on the head. I hope this audio is not horrible. But honestly, I suspect it might be horrible. But I really hope that things are turning out. Uh, oh no! Ah. Okay. This is getting bad. Uh, visibility. Visibility. Uh, what time is this? About, about 5 o'clock in the evening, afternoon. Uh, sun is still bright. Visibility is sitting at about 10, nah, 15 or 20 feet. So not very good. I, uh, 
I'm not wearing a respirator or a mask right now, which I really should be, but it's really hard to record things with a mask over your mouth, as we all know by now. All right, I'm now made it to the end of this block, 5.30 and J. This will be my second time going around. I'm heading towards the outside of Burning Man in order to, oh, that strong wind. Oh, that strong wind and I can see absolutely nothing. Okay, I'm heading towards the outside of Burning Man. I am now on the very outskirts of Black Rock City. The very farthest one could possibly go. Thank you, Carl and team for choosing this location for the Camp of the Unknown God. However, it's not, not a popular spot. Um, there's a fence, a flag fence, kind of like you see in a uh, Tibetan prayer flag type of situation. However, it's more of like a circus flag. They're triangular. And uh, the dust... Really, all I have, all I can possibly do is follow this flag fence. I cannot see anything. Alright. I'm looking, though. So, can't be the unknown god. they got some cool stuff going on this year. They will actually be doing some very solid work collecting some hard data. They are taking surveys. Uh, surveys of, I believe they're shooting for 500 people to fill out these worldview surveys. Oh, here's a giant bus. Oh, good. Oh, good, yes. As if it wasn't dusty enough before. There is a point where I might just start screaming Carl's name in hopes that he hears me and comes running out to the streets in this dust blizzard to meet his best buddy, Basil. Now, I am happy. I did get a chance to leave a recorder out for Bob, who is another team uh, member. However, he is not here at the camp of the Unknown God, nor is he in Burning Man, but the majority of his ministry... Oh, hold on one second. Here I go. I'm going to ask these people that are looking at me. They're looking at me. You guys uh, met anybody named Carl? No. Got any neighbors? No, not that I know. Okay, appreciate it. You guys are staying dust free. Say that. You guys are staying clean, dust free. Yeah. Yeah, you look great. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you haven't seen a sign for something called the uh, Camp of the Unknown God, have you? No. Okay. You know, some people got signs, and uh, God bless them. But sometimes their signs fly away, and you'll never see them again. Well, I think that there would be a case to be made that the reason that God is unknown yes. is because he doesn't have a sign. Well, is it <laughs> isn't that the fun part, though? At that point, what kind of sign could God send wind. that we wouldn't use? <laughs> the wind is the sign. The wind is the sign of the unknown God that I should be back in the RV yes. and not riding around like yes. this. Okay, uh, what's your name? Jim. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. My name's Basil. Nice to meet you. Basil. If you just happen to meet a guy named Carl, how much is that? I owe him. This is me trying to repay a debt. It's very difficult, though. All right. Well, blessings. I'll see you guys next time. 
you'll probably see me go back and forth, back and forth a couple okay. times. All right. You heard it, folks. They did not know Carl. They did not know Camp of the Unknown God. Very, it's that name. The name Camp of the Unknown God inspires conversation, even with some guy out of nowhere. Now, was that a good opportunity to dig deeper and spend more time with Jim and the other person's name of which honestly I did not catch? That might have been a good opportunity. And these are the things, the moments that we are faced with, not just at Burning Man, but just in life in general. Here I am. Oh, I see some sunglasses on the ground. I'm going to stop and get those. Uh, speaking of opportunities. Oh. You may have heard a little squeak. That little squeak. Are these your sunglasses? Okay, he's shaking his head. They're my sunglasses now. <laughs> Whoa, don't hit this car. Thank you. Uh, anyways, yes, these opportunities to talk to people. That is really one of the core principles of the Camp of the Unknown God. And uh, if I was not in such a state of panic that I cannot find the camp, that would have been a great opportunity to go a little bit deeper into conversation. And now I will regret not doing that for the rest of my life. But here I go, I'm continuing on the road looking for a sign, a literal sign. Honestly, a, a, a divine sign would be great. That would actually make this way easier. So let's just, just, just ask for that. Okay, Lord. Here I am. I'm here again. I am. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to do the thing. The thing that I thought I was supposed to do. And I'm looking for this camp, Lord. And you know where this camp is. You know exactly where the camp of the unknown God is uh, located. And you know what? It's up to you, buddy. Thank you for everything. And if you want me to find this camp, you coordinate circumstances in that very special way that you do. Because I would love to continue doing this mission. A funny thing happened. This is just kind of a fun story. Fun little story. I had my phone yesterday. My phone, no service out here. There's never any service out here. Sometimes there's service. It's really, sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. And only God knows why. And uh, my phone had no service. Excuse me. You guys have a neighbor, neighbor named Carl? Nobody? You have seen a sign that said Camp of the Unknown God? Uh, I got a camp right across here. Across, is, is there a camp of Camp of Carl? Well, that... That sounds like a lead. That's a good lead. Oh, sorry to interrupt. I didn't want to interrupt. That away. Okay. Oh, that big one. Yeah, the big one. Okay, I'll start there. Okay. I appreciate that, buddy. I got nothing for you, buddy. Yeah, I thank you for the help. What's your name? My name's Kenny. Kenny, nice to meet you. I'm Basil. 
Basil. Yes. If that's him, Basil's one of my favorites. You I like that? that shit, good stuff, dude. huh? Oh my god, I gotta start growing it. It's so freaking expensive. How come you're so expensive? <laughs> you know, it's just high high demand, low low quantity. It's just simple economics, you know. Yeah. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you very much. Absolutely. What? Were you, I didn't mean to interrupt no, your conversation. My neighbors. Oh, your neighbors. Yeah, okay. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you're from Ukraine. How much you, have you talked to them for a while? Kind of just whatever yeah. they're just hanging out yeah. huh made it over okay well good for them that's yeah, exciting they're awesome they're super sweet yeah if you go want to just go talk to them though i okay i made the mistake of kind of talking about what's going on over there <laughs> that's <laughs> what, what i was yeah, wondering i was like, <laughs> just trying to take it to other places right it, you could just tell it like i wouldn't go there source object not the yeah. thing not the yeah. thing to talk about okay Sounds welcome good. thanks for the tip welcome. buddy hey would you like one of these <laughs> All right. Right on. Well, maybe I'll talk to him. Take it easy, buddy. Thank you so much. Okay. No luck. No luck there. Um, so I was talking about... Okay, my phone. My phone, totally fine. No service. But I looked down at my phone completely black screen tried to turn it on no screen not working nothing dead phone not battery just charged it everything's fine just some sort of demon crawled in there and destroyed my phone and i started panicking and the panic partially stemmed from i mean not just not having a phone you know there's a regular panic that comes with not having a phone because we've been programmed to have the spying device on our person at all times but there's no service out here so that's not the end of the world but carl's address his address at burning man was in that phone and the screen was black and it was nothing I spent like 30, 40 minutes trying uh, to, you know, hold down the buttons and click the other buttons and do a hard reset. All those things, nothing worked. And I finally stopped and I go, and I'm panicking because of the failure of Burning Man last year. And uh, to be honest, everybody, I am horrified, horrified of the idea of not being able to accomplish the mission this year. And so the phone dying, not being able to find Carl, huge bad thing. And I stopped and the simplest possible prayer. Hold on, truck going by. I just go, Lord, Lord, this is it. If this phone's dead, I can't, I have nothing to go off of. Please. Please, I'm here for a reason. I, I thought this was your reason. If that's the thing, I need this phone back. I take a second, and literally four seconds later, I look down, phone's on. Out of nowhere. Mysterious problem, mysterious solution. Only way to describe it is complete miracle. And if anybody tries to tell you that Jesus doesn't do uh, cell phone miracles, they are wrong. They are absolutely wrong. So now, the Lord brought that phone back so I could get Carl's address, and we're gonna need another miracle. So that's what we are all asking for, and even though you guys are listening to this days, maybe even weeks in the future, we are not chron chronologically united as our human being selves right now, but because God is outside time, 
and all things and all times are accessible to him. Those who are agreeing with me in the future right now that we are going to find the camp of the unknown God and we will connect we will have a successful Burning Man research slash ministry trip. Everybody say a good amen right now. And now our time traveling prayers are going to solve this problem. Oh my gosh, it just got so, so windy, so, so dusty. So sunny out there needs to get their act together. Okay. This camp says party. I don't think that's them. I hope they have the same sign. Wait, I see a sign. Is this a sign? It's a sign. What does it say? Baby on board need fresh water. Please, please, please. Oh, goodness. I should bring some fresh water to these guys. Okay. Alright, I'm going to do that. These guys are apparently in a lot of need of water. I don't, I have a hard time believing they brought their actual baby out here. But it's possible, there are children. Um, while I'm at it, while I'm here, riding around, figuring this out, looking for the camp, I guess I can tell you some more stories. So the theme on Amalia, obviously, hold on one second, let me ask this guy. Hey buddy! You don't have any neighbors named Carl, do you? No. Not met anybody? There's a, what about a sign for Camp of the Unknown God? Heard of that? Man, bad addresses, dude. This is not good. Alright, I appreciate that. If you see anybody, if you just happen to see anybody in some miraculous event named Carl or the Camp of the Unknown God, just say, someone was looking for you. Camp of the Unknown God. Yeah. The dudes with the... That car? Maybe. That might be them. I'll head that Maybe. way. Yeah. Appreciate it. What's your name? Savon. Savon? Yeah. Basil. Nice to meet hey, you, buddy. Basil. See you later. Long, Thank you. Everybody's very nice around here. Very nice. Okay, I'm driving past the same... Guys, I'm getting worried, man. I don't even know. I don't even know. He gave... Uh, Carl gave me his address two days before it started and here's the thing you can have a plan to camp in a spot but before you actually get there there's no possible way to guarantee oh these guys have starlink i'm gonna remember that kind of a little bitter about the starlink thing but i'll figure it out all right everybody i've been rambling for quite some time can't remember what i was talking about before i talked to that person gonna have to either widen my search or start screaming Carl's name another Starlink ah, taunting me taunting me well, now I know now I know who to ask wait a second I might just ask password 
darling. That is possible. That is very possible. Here I go. Pull out my phone. Remember the one? The phone that Jesus healed? Let's see, I got 3G service. Let's go Wi-Fi. Nope, locked. Just out of sheer desperation, I'm going to call Bob. Nope, it's not even giving me an opportunity to do that. Impossible. Nuts! All right, well, I'm gonna finish this lap. I will start recording again if something interesting happens. Pray for me, those in the future, if we can have some time-traveling miracles here. Should I just start screaming Carl? Alright, I'll start recording if something exciting happens. Carl! Anybody named Carl out here? Any Carls? Carl, Carl, Carl! Alright, what I might have to do find a camp with free Wi-Fi up that way. The windstorm is getting a little unbearable. The dust, we've gone down to about 10 feet of visibility. It's very hard to breathe, so I might have to turn off this recording, put on my respirator. Elsewise, I am just sucking in dust all day long. Somebody waved at me, should I? Okay, I'm gonna turn around. Oh, this is interesting. There's a sign somebody put up that says, maybe the fact that you're looking for a sign is in fact the sign you're looking for. Whoa. Deep, bro. That's the sign. Yeah, I know. The sign is I need a sign. That's the whole point of this whole thing. Where? Okay. Gold? No? Sorry, I'm just saying things that I'm seeing now. Really should have put some more specific work into the pre-production of this thing. Okay, I'll keep you posted if anything happens. Somebody just waved at me. Excuse me. Do you guys have any neighbors named Carl? No Carls. No Carls. No signs for something called Camp of the Unknown God. Nothing. None of the camps are in these I know. You know, it's an unofficial camp. I'm just, you know, you get an address and you. It's going to be in some sort of half a mile radius. Oh, you're so you're so sweet. I appreciate that. If you don't mind, can I just cut right down through here? Thank you. Thank you. You're very sweet. See you. Okay, cutting through. In between the zones. 
This is nice. You start getting into people's sort of situation. Oh, don't run over their stuff. All right, here I go. Oh, what are you? What are you? I don't think that's that. There's about a hundred bottles of booze on a table. I do not think that that is Carl Tiger with the Game of the Unknown God. Oh, here's some couches. Couches are promising. Ministry happens on couches. Wait, this looks familiar. Hold on. Hold on. Carl! Carl! No Carls. Nobody's responding. This truck reminds me. Oh, that's from Arizona. Carl doesn't have an Arizona license plate. Oh, Lord. Help me. Help me, God. Help me, God. Come on. Bring me to where I must be. Guide me. Two hours later. Ah, the rain has fallen. The mud has formed. I've now been walking for two hours to try to make it to the camp of the unknown god. I am somewhere around 5.30 and 8, which is where I was told they would be. But it's always a mystery for going to be able to find them. I'm coming up. I don't know what I will do if I cannot find them. I'm looking back and forth. Let's see here. No, that's not them. Just looking back and forth. The music is still blaring. You can see I'm now being followed by an art car. It is a gigantic silver something or other. Basil survives the giant silver thingy. Chapter 2, Convo with Carl and Bob. Welcome to the camp of the unknown Bob. Your best buddy Basil, and if you hear any uh, weariness or dreariness, it's because we are just a couple days after Burning Man has ended, and we escaped the swamp that was Flooding Man, M Mudding Man. I don't know. There are so many different names given to this year, uh, which we will get into. Uh, we've had about a day to rest, and now I am in Cedarville. Oh, yeah. Do you mind if I say we're in Cedarville? Yeah, okay. We are in Cedarville, California, just a mere th three or four hours away from the Black Rock Desert. And I'm sitting here with Carl Tycrib. You know him well if you've been listening to us uh, for any amount of time, and Bob Worley. And both of these fellas are part of the team that is the Camp of the Unknown God. And uh, we will talk a little bit about that mysterious and uh, ever, ever question-raising name, whether you're sitting in a pew or rolling around in the dust. Everybody has questions, and it's almost like that was the whole point. Uh, but we have a post-burn interview here with two of the main men who are doing some very interesting 
things uh, orbiting around Burning Man, and they've been doing it for quite some time. Uh, so we'll start out by saying hello to Carl Teichrib. Hello, Carl. Hey, good day, good day. Good to be here. And Bob Worley. What's up, Bob? Hey, everything's up, man. Thank there. you for uh, having me on. I'm so, so happy to do it. We've actually, I don't know if we've ever had you on the show, Bob, but we've certainly known each other, at least by voice and text message, for a few years now. Uh, I ran into you in 2018. You did? Okay, yes. I wasn't sure if you had your beard or not. No, I know. <laughs> it, just, it gets hot out there. It gets hot out there. I did forget the beard this year. So I'm going to jump right into it because uh, in, in my work, the weird niche genre of christianity and uh authoritarian skepticism and secular uh side-eyeing of what's going on in the world when we say that we're going to burning man or even if we just are talking about burning man we have such an endless array of criticisms mostly from christians and i think it's uh, important for all of us to uh, over the next hour or so, learn exactly why uh, two or three or however many God-fearing, respectable Christian men and women would be going off into the desert, which uh, uh, with the uh, the the hedonistic hippies who are rolling around. So first. I want to say, uh, Carl, why don't you tell us who you are, what you've been doing, and uh, what does that have to do with Burning Man? Well, first of all, there are no hippies at Burning Man. <laughs> the first secret of Burning Man is there that's, are no hippies at Burning Man. That's right. I've never run into one yet. <laughs> ran into a lot of programmers and doctors and... Uh, every tech day, bros know. oh my word yes mm -hmm. um folks from government offices a lot of government people lots people don't recognize or realize that mm -hmm. uh, but i've never actually ran into hippies it's kind of it's almost as if the narrative that burning man is sort of a hippie event is almost its own kind of psychological operation it kind of is it's, isn't it? it's very interesting yes yeah. yes in fact I remember in 2017 rolling by a, a camp and they had couches on the esplanade right along the the very edge of the playa and they had they had signs and and megaphone and they were yelling uh, yelling at me as I was riding my bicycle by, you know, yelling out, where are the hippies? Where are the hippies? And they had signs and placards. Yeah. There's no hippies here. And yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because this year um, we actually had some climate activists show up to block the road going into Burning Man. And it confused a lot of people in the media because they're like, why are the hippies mad at the other hippies? What's going on here? Get off the highway. This is a state route. Everybody will be arrested, if not. 30 seconds. Send your leader to my vehicle. Let's talk. Get off the road. Where's the 
I just wanted to quickly interject and mention that there is a flag that these protesters are waving as part of their protest, and it is actually the flag of the planet Earth that was proposed back in 2015. I remember reporting about this because there was a lot of media attention at the time. Of course, there have been many planet Earth flags proposed, but this particular one, the international flag of planet Earth, designed and proposed by Oscar Pernafelt did get the attention of the media. And so I think it's an interesting example of how some kind of proposed piece of art or anything, a symbol, can be picked up by the mainstream media and the greater institutions and trickle down into people that are well-meaning but radicalized and indoctrinated into a certain set of beliefs that get them riled up enough to protest and try to block people from getting into Burning Man, which depending on where you stand on it could seem like a good thing or whatever, but bottom line, they're waving the international flag of planet earth that was proposed in 2015. Just something I wanted to note as we go through all of this stuff. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Don't move. Please. Give me your last name. I was so happy about that blockade. Yeah. It, it, okay. Tell so, me, tell me everything. Okay, you think from about. a totally different, from a totally different perspective, every burn I've gone into has always been like a six, eight, nine, ten. I can't remember, Bob. What was our 2018 weight? In line, 11 hours. Yeah, it was 9 to 11 hours. Yeah, and I'm used to that. These long, crazy lines waiting to get in. This one, we entered the playa. I was with our friends Brian and Audrey Vanderclay, who are also a part of the team. We enter the playa, and we drive right up to the gate. We didn't stop once. Hmm. And I get there, and I'm confused. I mean, I'm bewildered yeah and for those who don't know first of all the playa is the desert it's the dry lake bed you go from asphalt onto the lake bed and you're officially on the playa and from the asphalt of the road to the entrance of burning man the gates it's eight miles right eight miles of just cones and flags set up to guide you in the right direction, but basically nothing. Right, and usually it's wall-to-wall vehicles. Yeah, it's a it's an eight-mile traffic jam, and it would it's at least four to six lanes that they right. will have open. Right, four to six lanes, eight-mile Southern California LA style <laughs> traffic jam. But instead of like Teslas and Audis, it's twenty-year-old RVs and. Uh, all that kind of stuff art vehicles art you vehicles name it, it's right. all there you see it all but so so i i get to the desert and it blows me away as i said because i had no weight i get up to the gate and i was like dude what's going on mm-hmm. like where is everybody is the event canceled like I'm, I'm waiting for my nine hour wait time you know so he he said yeah some accident or something they didn't know hmm. and here it turned out it was the climate Activists, the anti-capitalist climate activists, right. blockading the southern route to Burning Man, which of course brings in all the folks from Reno, San Francisco, L.A., Phoenix, Las Vegas, 
and just kept the northern route open, which is the direction we're coming from, from Cedarville, California. And so it was like, oh, mm. we, we caught a huge break, where, which was really cool. Where were the activists? I don't know. Somewhere in your neck of the woods. Yeah, somewhere so south of Gurlong. Somewhere, somewhere yeah. in the Pyramid Lakes area. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Were the activists were? Yeah, is that where they were, Bob? Uh, the activists were... Uh, going northbound on the 447 past the Nixon Reservation. Right. And they, they kept it on tribal land, thinking that they... They could avoid some law enforcement. Right. <laughs> but it turns out that tribal rangers are just as uh, eager for action right. than the feds around <laughs> Black Lives Matter... Or, I'm sorry, BLM, the Bureau of Land Management. Um yeah, because I guess the story is that a ranger, a tribal ranger, rammed into their blockade. They had put a trailer or something in the way right. and actually pulled his weapon on one of them. And it's like this whole thing, yeah. which is really interesting considering, you know, they're climate activists. And you'd think the tribal ranger would be some sort of, you know, uh, comrade caricature of uh, native I don't know spiritual, spiritual climate yes, thing yes. yeah <laughs> crazy not so much luck there no, climate activists back to your original question you asked who I am what I do yeah forgot sorry no, that's okay it's all cool I sidetracked so with the whole hippie thing um, I'm an author I'm a researcher and I've been doing this full time since 1997 dealing at uh, kind of researching at the crossroads of culture politics global governance specifically, uh, religion, interfaithism, and uh, to some extent technology. I was one of the early Christian researchers on transhumanism. So I've been diving into the realm of United Nations and uh, global global um, agendas, global, global patterns for a long, long time. And then, golly, I think it was like 2007 or 2008, I was like, Carl, there has to be a cultural expression of the sense of globalization. Because I mean, I've been to the United Nations. I've been to global governance events. I've been to world government meetings. I've been to all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, witchcraft events, all kinds of nutty things. And I'm like, what would that be? And I had known about Burning Man for a long time. And it didn't take long. And in digging into it a bit, doing uh, some homework, I realized, okay, this is too important, and I have overlooked this far too long. And somehow, Bob, I can't remember how you and I hooked up together. Uh, we, you, you might remember. Oh, yeah, we were on a, a Facebook page of uh, Jackie Alnor. I'll oh, mention yes. her name. Right. Because uh, she was crucial in us meeting. And uh, I had answered a question about witnessing to these people because they were getting cosmic doom by some of the people posting. And you contacted me and said, wow, you go to Burning Man. And then uh, we both ended up going uh, in 2017 and met for the first time uh, at Burning Man. So, Bob, you're kind of responsible for getting Carl to go to Burning Man, which probably means you're responsible for me going to Burning Man, too. Well, I don't know about responsibility on that. Uh, I, uh, Carl, Carl, <laughs> I don't want to take responsibility. Yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, I, I would say that Carl and I are like uh, 
in that Star Trek movie, we go where no other Christians have gone before. Yeah. <laughs> right? And and I've been going since 1996, and I have went back and forth over Burning Man, and I've found no gospel being preached at all. I never found that. And so with Carl, we met, boom, took off. You know, it's really weird because I grew up in the church, been surrounded, done all evangelism opportunities that have ever been handed to me, been in places where I wasn't there to evangelize and was happy to see that somebody else was there doing it, you know, in in, in my stead. And everywhere you go, you know, you see um, evangelists doing their thing. Sometimes they're doing it well, sometimes they're not. Sometimes you're proud to have them there, sometimes it's kind of embarrassing. But now, having been to Burning Man four times now, I am astounded that I have never once run into an evangelist at Burning Man, with you guys being the exception. And it's so interesting because I went around a bit this Burning Man and had my recorder with me, had your guys' survey questions with me, and I thought I'm going to get some audio of people answering these questions is going to be very interesting and these questions are you know religious questions more or less and uh there was one person who the second i asked about anything religious ran up wasn't even in the group at the time was standing away ran up and said he's gonna preach to you watch out he's gonna he's he's gonna preach and i'm like oh my goodness have you ever seen somebody like i have never seen somebody a evangelize or i've never you know been approached i've never seen it i'm not gonna say it's never happened there but it's not very common and certainly never seen anybody preaching at burning man and i could see how a christian who would already feel um unwelcome in this place uh, if there's an ounce of fear or an ounce of doubt or something that is not 100% abandonment to the courage of Christ this is not a place for you to be like they are ready to pounce at any moment uh, and I think is an interesting situation to set up uh, for what both of you are doing here both accomplishing sort of different goals doing things maybe the same goal in different ways you know it just mm-hmm. that doesn't matter you get it uh, but one of those things being that you really are your your focus bob is the evangelism side of it and i want to get really deep into that in a second because we got to finish hearing who the heck carl is for those who have missed <laughs> i want to know who i've been hanging out with <laughs> I'm kind of curious myself. (laughs) This is an NPR. It takes us a while to answer questions here. Back to who you are, Carl. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You met Bob. Bob helped uh, facilitate your first. And you know, our first burn was 2017. And I was writing my book, Game of Gods, at that point in time. The subtitle for my book, and that was already it was already a working subtitle, and it became the sticking subtitle, is The Temple of Man in the Age of Reenchantment, which is a subtitle I pulled 
from attending Burning Man or being ready to attend Burning Man that year. Because Burning Man, in 2017, the theme was radical ritual and the man for the first time, and it was a controversy on the playa, but then it actually fit very well. The man was put in his own temple. Hmm. And so it was literally the temple of man and Burning Man is a representation of the age of re-enchantment, the sense of wonder and purpose and direction in this now uh, post-Christian, post-secular new mythological age. Yeah. And, and Burning Man really is both secular and mystical all at the same time. It really combines both. And that's something that was, again, it really hit home going back again just this last week and seeing both this secular component of, and that came out with, it, with, my, with the surveys, how many of them were atheist or agnostic, and yet at the same time, everywhere you went, you would run into forms of spirituality, forms of religion, uh, symbol, you know, symbolism that, that harkens back to even to Christianity, especially this, this year with the Chapel of Babel, mm-hmm. you know, the big yeah. Tower of Babel that was set up where Larry Harvey was literally standing, his, his cutout was standing above, the, above the, the entrance into the Tower of Babel, and Larry Harvey, of course, being the founder of Burning Man. Yeah. So it, it, it was this very raw combination all of these working components and that's one of the things that drew my attention to burning man this was not just simply a party in the desert if that's what your thoughts are you're missing the big picture and you see a lot of people referring to it as hippies partying in the desert which both of those things are incorrect right even in the mainstream media you'll see references to hippies partying in the desert and again it's it's so blatantly not just wrong but 100% 100% I'm sorry 180 degrees in the wrong direction right. which signals to me that it's a, a purposeful misdirection because you, both through your work and my interactions with you and my experiences at Burning Man have really informed this idea that I think Christians are really getting wrong mm-hmm. nowadays which is it is not Christianity and the secular world it's not christianity and you know the godless flesh people it's not it's not quite that easy and growing up i've been a christian now for 30 something years and it was always always described as there is the godly people and then there is the other people with no god and that is almost entirely wrong because you think people with a secular secular worldview, secular experience, secular identity, these types of things, we think of it as just an absence of God, specifically the Christian God. But what <clears throat> Burning Man really shows you is there is an entire mythology that people are living under Mm-hmm. with and for mm-hmm. at the same time there is a religion is a spirituality is a mythology in your in your uh, very wise words a re-enchantment an mm-hmm. enchant you know people are living sort of very spiritual or magical lives um, and even if they don't have the words to describe what, what they are doing, they might just say I'm agnostic or say right. I'm atheist, right. meaning there's no, you know, no interaction with the divine. They are performing 
as if they are this sort of ancient priesthood of some god force or pantheon even um and and in very literal ways yes they, they are living this sort of like ancient religious life right secularism is really nothing more and this isn't my my take uh it is my take but i i didn't come up with this uh secularism is really a pause between one dominant religious perspective fading away or being removed and put to the background which is the judeo-christian worldview in western in the western world and the adoption of a new religious way of thinking a new dominant religious paradigm and so secularism becomes this in-between period or this pause where it's being wrestled through and so Burning Man really represents this because you see the only thing that that is mocked in terms of religion at Burning Man is Christianity and this is something I brought up with a, a gentleman this week uh, this last week I was like and he's been he was part of the DPW the Department of Public Works had a long conversation and I'm like dude what what gives I mean I'm a Christian. I, w- I made it very clear where I stood. We had a good conversation. Told him about my book and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm like, what gives? You don't mock Buddhism here. I've never seen you not, uh, mock Ganesha or Islam or any other religion. I don't see you mocking the Baha'i. But everywhere I turn, you mock Christianity. And he was actually taken aback by that. And he was almost a little bit confused for a moment and, and to the to the point of going... I almost now have to rethink some things yeah. because I didn't realize that it was, it was that in your face. And I'm like, as a Christian, it is in my face. And he's mm-hmm. going, wow, that's, that's something I never really noticed before. Well, of course he hadn't because he's right in the thick of it and he's not a Christian. It, it doesn't impact him. As a Christian myself, I'm going, oh yeah, there's, there's, they're, they're mocking Christ all over the place. Right. And openly, how can you, how can you not see this? But when you're, it's it's like a virtue. Yes, it's a virtue if you are mocking Christians at right, Burning Man. Right. right. So, break in for one second. Yeah. Yes, I want the audience to know one thing. What Carl is saying now, it's called a discussion, and that's what you got to do out there. You're not out there with a bullhorn. Uh, what you're doing is having a reasonable defense for the faith, and utilizing what Carl just said makes people think long lasting right bob that is so important um we have to have christians come to the realization that this is not a place where you're going to be using your a a cookie cutter way of doing evangelism it is instead having conversations it's not just simply uh, sharing and running away you're entering and you've done this bob i've watched you do this over and over and you do this very very well you go in, you have a conversation, you share, you spend time with them, you sit around the camp with them, or they come and sit around the camp with you. And one of the perspectives, and, and this is important for me, back in 2017, Basil, I watched Bob, this man do this, where he would tell them, look, you are my brother in Adam. Hmm. After the end of a big conversation, and then he would say, but I want you to be my brother in Christ mm. and that hit me that hit me because I'm like that's it starting that's it. starting from that point I mean being brothers and Adam in a, a an objective connection with the human you're talking to 
an inherent connection. You know, there tends to be this idea um, with the less open-minded Christian folk. Of course, I'm here with a couple of Christian guys who go to Burning Man. Uh, but there are Christians out there who would like to believe that they have absolutely nothing in common with someone who goes to Burning Man. And I think that is something that encourages a lot of the responses that all three of us have experienced with people who hear about uh, the types of work that we do out there is oftentimes when I get the criticism about uh, coming in contact with people out there or the, 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 the group or the event itself, what I'm hearing from those Christians is I would like to believe that I have nothing in common or I have no connection with the other people out there. But starting from that we are brothers in Adam, that's something we can all agree on. And it's something that that even a secular person, for lack of a better word, when they hear that, it's nice. It's a nice thing to hear, mm -hmm. you know? I don't know what that means. I think I barely know who this Adam you're referring to is, but I think I get it. What a nice thing. And then to take it that step further as a desire of yours, instead of, you know, a risk that they're taking, not accepting Christ, but like a desire that you have to be even closer with your brother. I think that's a very powerful way of doing it. Yeah. And, and and, and Bob, uh, again, Basil, I learned from Bob with this. Mm -hmm. And so I don't even know, Bob, if I told you this. Um, two weeks before, I was at the Parliament of World Religions in Chicago. And you knew that. Um, I went to something called the Cosmic Mass at the Parliament. And it was a two and a half hour long ritual. There was uh, communion. There was wine. There was bread. All of it was a blasphemy. All of it was a mockery. And I'm just standing off to the side. I'm not participating. I'm watching all this. I'm taking pictures. I'm documenting it. And uh, they had different little exercises people had to do. And that included walking up to each other and then bowing, namaste, the God in me recognizes the God in you, and declaring to each other, I see you as divine. And I'm just standing off in the background. I, I'm not going to participate. Well, I had three ladies come to me, each one of them, coming to me and saying, bowing and saying, you are divine. And I took a cue from your use of that idea of you are my brother in Adam. And I told each of the, those ladies and it shook them. I watched it shake them, mm -hmm. like physically shake them, not in a, a bad way, but you could hit, you could tell it hit them. It hit them at their core. I would, in one case, I put my hand on one of the lady's shoulder and I said, and as you looked them in the eye and I said to them, I'm going to tell you something different. I see your humanity and you are a daughter of Eve. And there was a pause hmm. and they just shook. Yeah. Because for the first time, maybe they just had a piece of truth pierce into them they're not divine mm -hmm. i'm not divine don't put that burden on me so are you guys it was aware, awesome are you aware of the term larp larping no. so larping is an acronym for live action role play 
Okay. And the term starts with um, kind of this Dungeons and Dragons fantasy kind of thing where groups of people will go off into the forest and pretend to be wizards and knights and things like that. But now it's it can it's been applied sort of more broadly outside of that setting. Live action role play um, can kind of describe, in a sense, um, things as broad as like... Mm, mass social movements mm. um uh, it was used a lot during the 2020 riots where you know the the idea was that they are out protesting for george floyd but really it's just a bunch of kids who want to go break stuff so they larp as protesters and this in, in sort of the philosophical sense you know can refer to someone Maybe they like the idea of being divine. They like the idea of being part God or something. And so they just kind of LARP it. You know, mm -hmm. they, they live mm -hmm. as if it is true. They tell people it's true. It's just sort of, it's kind of this postmodernism type of way of going through life. And, uh, you know, there are people, I, you know, if, if somebody has like devoted their life to, Buddhism and is wearing the saffron robes and something. I wouldn't call that a LARP. They're right. very, they're very much <laughs> doing that. <laughs> but you know, the teacher from Des Moines who goes to Burning Man and then you know drinks with their buddies on the weekend. It's a little bit more of a LARP. You know, mm -hmm. I kind of mm -hmm. I'm going to I can see where play going. this yep. role yep. of that I am divine and you're divine and Namaste, yep. homie. Yep. Um, <laughs> But there's this thing that, like, when you breaks, when you, when you, uh, uh, not call out, but when you refer to the fact that somebody is LARPing or you uh, say something that is counter to the role they're trying to play, it kind of has this, this uh, glitching effect mm -hmm. because suddenly they're confronted with a reality that isn't the one that they've been LARPing. And so far, everybody in their life has been playing along with them. You know, right. you put yourself in a position, you have the friends, you tell your family, whatever, that you're playing this role and everybody says, okay, sure, we will treat you that way or whatever. But then when confronted with somebody who, you know, not, not even in a mean way or not in a malicious way or whatever, just says, I'm not playing this game that you're playing, you know, busting them out of this LARP. It kind of glitches where they have, they suddenly have a, a an encounter with reality that kind of like you said, the response that these ladies was having, they're like, they don't know necessarily what to do or what to say. Right. They don't even necessarily fight about it because, nope. you know, if you told me I'm not Gandalf, I wouldn't necessarily get mad about it, but I'd be like, <laughs> What's going on? We all agreed that I'm Gandalf. <laughs> Treat me like I'm Gandalf. So anyways, that's a very long explanation to give, uh, which I think is kind of a mechanism that a lot of people are living their entire lives LARPing. Right. And to a degree, there's, there's some of that in Burning Man. Um, but the idea that everybody goes to Burning Man and it's not permanent makes the whole thing a little less LARPy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a mechanism that is so prevalent right now that people can LARP whatever they want and everybody around them has to agree with it. And it's so consistent 
that they almost never come into contact with the real world anymore. You know, you saw some of this during COVID and stuff, but that's another podcast episode. Um, anyways, very interesting. There's me rambling for a while. No, that, that's fine. But yeah. I mean, it, it fit. And that was a takeaway that I took from Bob mm-hmm. using that perspective to remind them that there is a common humanity. And I think it's really important that we remind the, our fellow Christians because as you were just alluding to, and I mean, Bob's experiences, you've experienced it, I've experienced it on social media with people right face to face, upset that we're going to Burning Man, upset that we could even consider walking in, you know, in, in amongst that crowd. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it sometimes is quite shocking, some of the uh, accusations or some of the, the, the pushback. And yet at the same time, at least for myself, I haven't had anybody push back when I'm going to the United Nations or I'm going to some other research event. My right. goodness, that hasn't happened. Right. Or, or, you know, even the last time I, I was in the United States, this is the first time in three and a half years, thank you to Trudeau and Mr. Mr. Uh, Biden. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the last time I was in the U.S., I was at the largest gathering of witches in the world, indoor mm. gathering, mm-hmm. N- nobody. There's no pushback. Yeah. But, but all of a sudden, Burning Man is like, oh, yeah. How can you do that? I mean, honestly, in my in my gut, I'm going. How can you walk into Walmart? <laughs> it's the same people with right. the same worldview. They're just not living it out. That's all. Yeah. Chapter three. The research. Um, let's talk about your research. Yeah, tell, sure. tell us about your research from the past sure. and um, what was the goal this year? What would what, you get into this year? Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so this is like yourself, my fourth burn. Uh, and then I also participated very heavily in the virtual burns in 2020 and 2021. Uh, enough so that I was intentionally looking uh, at uh, a couple of, a couple of the camps and having conversations with a few of the camp leads who were involved in building some of the the virtual setups. So that was really really interesting. Um, and then I've also been to some regionals and uh, I've been to a pile of other similar related events both in the virtual space and outside the virtual space. And of course, if you've read my book, there's an entire chapter devoted to the background behind Burning Man, its its global reach, etc., etc. Um the research, so this year I did social surveys. We conducted approximately 400, I need to count them. I think it's over 400 surveys. I was hoping to hit 5, but hey, 400 is not too bad for, for one guy and two assistants, that's for sure. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, and, and for the most part, the surveys were very well received. I did surveys at The Man. Audrey and I did that together. Very well done at The Man. People wanted to do it for the most part. Uh, I did surveys at the airport. Uh, I did survey. We did surveys. Brian did them, and I did them at, at separate times at Center Camp. People were far less receptive at Center Camp. <laughs> And then I went to the the the, uh, the waffle camp. Uh, I think it was closer to the nine, the, the nine o'clock zone, and I just kind of stumbled in because it was waffles, and of course you got to stop for waffles. <laughs> and I had a big feed of waffles, and then I ended up talking to the camp lead because they had so many people coming in, like piles of people from all over. It was a again a really good 
communal setting to do surveys. I didn't want to just run off to district and do surveys because then I just have, you know, a certain demographic or at other camps I have catered to certain functions because I wanted it to be more communal. I wanted to try to have a better representation. So it ended up the waffle camp was perfect. What was kind of weird was when I was asking the lead if I could do the surveys on in his camp, the girl across from him across the table eating a waffle was like, she says, are you Carl? Oh, really? I said, yeah. I did your survey yesterday. You, you, one of your friends was, was huh. doing the survey and was telling me all about your book and on and on. And she's telling the lead, even before he gives me permission, she's like, you got to have this guy do your surveys here. Huh. And, and you need to pay, pay attention to this and on and on. And he's like, yeah, dude, you can do all the surveys you want. Just, <laughs> just don't bother the cooks making the waffles. So... I ended up, I think I got 60 surveys done in an hour and a half or two hours at the waffle camp. Wow, that is great. It was fantastic. That's so fun. You know, I, I mean, that was an interesting part. So, um, I, we, I had a, we, we, I had a hard time connecting with you guys. Right. Once right. again, we have yep. dis- we'll do better uh, coordination next time. Which we'll have to I think Gurlock can come in together. Which I think we said last time, but That's right. uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll we do it again. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, my goodness, I was doing some audio versions of your survey. I'd yeah. walk up to people and uh, just to get some flavor. And everybody was incredibly enthusiastic, mm-hmm. loved answering these questions, loved talking, loved getting into it. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned like a camp of the unknown God you know, taking some, uh, tracking some religious and spiritual trends of Burning mm-hmm. Man, this kind of thing, stuff like that. And they were just so excited. Again, you could see that sort of civic responsibility. They want to participate. They want to participate. Right. People want to tell you what they're thinking. Right. Yeah. They're probably there more than ever, but right. I mean, you know, right. it's, it's, and especially when it was a about this material religious right. and spiritual material yeah you know and i designed the surveys in such a way that didn't give away a, a certain perspective i don't yeah. want that i right. actually want raw data yeah i'm doing research this gone's or pardon me basil, basil. Yeah. i'm so sorry gone's okay. strike that out Happens you're the man the with the editor yes yes i'm so sorry basil no i've problem. done that to you before yeah, too. Like, oh, and i've done it probably to, to gone's with, with your name oh my goodness anyways but that's what real serve. But that's what real research is. Yeah, this is not just reading something off the internet. That's information. This is taking the time to find something deeper behind the information. Right. To dig into what they're actually thinking, and so it was good. I mean, in terms of of percentages, of course, I, I need a much higher percentage for me to really feel good about the survey. But right. even four hundred plus isn't too bad yeah uh earlier this summer i did uh surveys at a regional burn and surveyed 10 percent of a thousand uh attendee regional uh and i did find regionals to be more um even more enthusiastic and and more friendly towards the surveys i had a number of people turn me down though i had by far more people more people than not who were super excited doing it and even expressed afterwards how how this made them think yeah which was really cool but there was one group worse than sparkle ponies <laughs> one group who i wanted to chastise and i wanted to walk to the rangers headquarters and chew them out huh. because 
I approach rangers a number of times when they're off duty, when they're on duty, and then when they're even in the, in the process of changing. And when I know they're not doing anything, right. like I'm, I'm cognitive, I'm watching them, every single ranger turned me down, whether oh, on duty or off duty, whether they were, and I never approached them when they're ever busy, right. always did it when they were sitting down, taking a bit of a break, doing whatever. I'm sorry. There was no immediacy, huh. no participation. Right. The 10 principles, uh, dudes, you all got Fs. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I thought to myself, I would have more problems with the sparkle ponies. And some of the sparkle ponies just turned their nose up and kept walking. Right. But I also had them stopping as well. It was the rangers who I found out are the real sparkle ponies. You gotta, you gotta define sparkle ponies. <laughs> yeah, I was, I've been holding myself back from jumping in and defining. All right, Basil, us, go for it. Oh, you, you tell us. No, 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 okay. no. So, sparkle pony is uh, a name. I think it's contested whether it's uh, derogatory or not. It but can it's, go both ways. Yeah, it's kind of the name for someone who shows up to Burning Man uh, with their outfits. And that's basically it. Yeah, they're not. And usually, they're hot females. They're usually hot females. Or it's kind of the influencer types. Yes, somebody is listening here. You see the pictures of the Instagram influencer types at Burning Man. Those are the sparkle ponies. They're not necessarily uh, holding to the ten principles. They're not necessarily self reliant. They don't really participate in their civic responsibility. They're kind of just there to take pictures. And they're usually staying uh, in an RV provided to them by uh, some rich guy. That's right. For the most part. I've run into sparkle ponies at Gerlach wanting to get in. And they'd come up to me and they'd say, we would do anything to get into Burning Man. Yep. And I said, you know. Start witnessing to <laughs> and they're turned off by that. <laughs> Not but, except uh, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? Exactly. And, and there's you know. your ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, Bob, if you remember, but in 2017, maybe I shouldn't talk about this on air. I don't know, but okay. There's something about Burning Man. There's a lot of whimsy and play. Right. That's one of the things I actually appreciate about the culture. There's there's some good takeaways, yeah. and one of them for me is the importance of art and understanding the 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 purpose of art, but also just that aspect of whimsy and play. Yeah. In 2017, we had a guy come up to our camp, and I still have the 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 bling, and he gave me a sparkle sparkle I can't even say it a sparkle pony hunting permit. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is very funny. Oh my god. <laughs> Chapter 4, The Survey. So the surveys were cool. What were you... Like, what are you trying to find out? What's the okay. purpose of the surveys? What's the what? Are, what's do you, what's your focus yeah, for yeah. research this year? Okay, so every one of the surveys I have done have commonalities. And, and this is the first time I've been trying to do the survey at the Big Burn versus the, the regionals. Uh. I really want to have a sense of of where the people have been coming from, from a religious, spiritual point of view. Um, their their answers actually indicate a lot of things. Uh, I want to understand their core worldview positions on a few topics, and then on the backside, uh, I, well, you know, someone just quickly read off a little bit off that. Yeah, survey. yeah. 
Number one, of course, you have your basic demographics. Gender is male, female, or other. Age, all the way up to 65. Uh, you have little boxes you can check off. And by the way, this is an older crowd. Hey everybody, your buddy Basil here. I'm here. Um, I'm going to be surveying, surveying some of the citizens of Black Rock City here uh, as uh, to participate in the research of Carl Tykerb and the Camp of the Unknown God here at Black Rock City. I have here the questions uh, on the survey that uh, will be conducted hopefully on about 500 people and uh, I figured I should probably see if I can get some answers to the survey myself. Now where where to do this? That is the question. I've uh, gone through many iterations of how exactly I should do this recording. One of them is just random people on the street walking to and fro. The other is go to an event or uh, a hangout or a bar or something here at Black Rock City. Problem is, it's very loud, not very good for recording, and people are not necessarily in the state of mind to give clear answers uh, on some of these survey questions. So, I have done the impossible and found the perfect place uh, to find survey participants, and that is at the porta potties. Yes, the porta potties, the subtle silence, the peace that comes from uh, standing in line and uh, to use a row of porta potties, 50 porta potties long. Now, people obviously are arriving with some sort of uh, urgency, but when they're done, and they are so relieved that they are no longer inside of the porta potties, perhaps that will be the time to ask them to participate in the survey. We will see. This is going to be a very interesting experience. I'll set the scene. It is currently 11.30 in the evening, 11.30 on Sunday night, there is an air of disappointment in the air because neither the man nor the temple have been burned due to the rain apocalypse uh, paired with a mud apocalypse. That's right, it's a double pandemic of unfortunate situations. I'm gonna go over, I'm currently sloshing through couple inches of mud. Extraordinarily uh, uncomfortable walking conditions. I do have uh, my boot has uh, rubbed a hole straight through my foot. I am limping like some sort of injured animal and uh, hopefully this will inspire enough pity for people to stop and talk to me. So here we go. How to spot the willing participants is the question. Let me see here. Every Oh, it is pretty much pitch black. Everybody around me is wearing their lights, colored lights, dancing in front of the porta potties. We've got Christmas lights, we've got LED lights, we've got headlamps. We've got everybody with a singular purpose, and that is to use the 
porta potties. Let's see how this goes. Excuse me, guys. Do you got a second? Yes. Just one second. My name's My name's Basil. That's oh no! Hey, I didn't know we had a counter. Well, yeah, so he specifically said one. I appreciate the the sort of straightforward. So I'm here with a research team actually, and I'm just doing some quick surveys, and I got a couple questions for everybody. First of all, uh, how many burns have you been to? Like, are, is this your first time? Are you veterans? Eleven. That's a high number. Okay, here's a question. Uh, how many burns have you been to? Uh, is this anybody's first time? Two first timers. Three, three first timers. Three first timers. Three first, your first time. And then some I wouldn't big have guessed. Bets. Okay, <laughs> ten. We got a ten years here. Four, Four here. Very good. One. Another. Okay, first timer. Here we go. How many burns have you been to? Nine. Nine. Okay, so you kind of know what you're doing. Uh, some days. Some days. Yeah, I mean, you've got this staff that has lights on it, and this I'm a is Bob. Bob. He's got his goggles on. Oh, he is a skull. He is a. <laughs> he is a skull. So this is your husband. I don't want to assume. Yes. Pretty much. Okay, yeah. Bob, looking good. So you can answer for Bob if you want to. <laughs> Citizens of Nose Waxing Line. My name is Basil. I am here with a team of researchers. We come every year. We track the spiritual and religious trends of the Burning Man community. May I ask you some questions? Would you like to talk with me? An official Burning Man. No, I'm not official Burning Man anything, but I'm here to ask questions. Okay. So first of all, how many Burning Men have you been to? Newcomers, Virgins. first, Virgins, first timers. I've been to 11. 11. Second. Second. Okay, 11 is a number I hear so often doing this. That's crazy. Yeah, I guess it makes 11. sense. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Everybody thinks this is all 18-year-old kids. No, 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 no. 18-year-old kids can't afford this. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the bottom so line. Probably, what do you think? 40 plus on average? I, I think 30, the medium is 36. 36? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, political identifier, identifiers, how do you politically identify? Anarchist, communist, conservative, democrat, green, labor, liberal, libertarian, Marxist, socialist, republican, other. Uh, then the, the stuff that really matters is the religious philosophical positions. So I have, I have and I really um, uh, brought this down in terms of, of what I did at regionals. I had a much larger list at the regionals of religions and philosophical positions you could hold from atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Christian, on it goes all the way to Wicca. And you could put down as past or as present. Oh, And this is where it gets interesting because you see over and over past Christian, past Christian, past Christian, now Wiccan, now Unitarian, now Mormon, now New Age. And I was surprised how many Mormons I ended up serving. Huh. Okay. That's way more than I realized. That was a cool takeaway. Really interesting takeaway. Um, the other thing that was an interesting takeaway is past Christian and then how many other religions they were checking off, mm. which tells me that they are seeking. Right. They are diving into... You mean like one person will say right. previously Christian, Christian and now, now taking off eight different things present. It. Yeah. And then adding extra sometimes on the side. That is telling me, and especially I see this a lot, that there is uh, within the culture 
a certain percentage of the people who are desperately seeking and searching. They've, they've dropped Christianity and now are, are dipping their toes into everything and anything. So that's important for us to begin to wrestle with and understand. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm going to... Is it okay if I record these answers for research purposes? You don't need to identify yourself. Well, I can get into the thing here. It's, it's uh, anthropological census. Um, so there's a couple of questions I can get right into it. I'm going to start with uh, religion and philosophical positions. Does anybody here have any strong feelings towards religion or philosophical positions? If I could give you some examples. Pagan. Hindu. Islam. We got a pagan. Okay, good. Judaism. New Age. Taoism. Wicca. Perfect. What about luminaries? All correct answers. Luminaries is on the list. It is. Yeah, you, know, you win the prize, actually. I was waiting for luminaries. How's your brand been going so far? I am with a group who is doing research. We do research every year on sort of the spiritual and religious trends going on here at Burning Man. Would you mind if I talk to you for a second and ask a few yeah. questions? Okay, totally anonymous. It's all good. I am recording all of us. Just audio, if that's cool. Okay, wonderful, thank you, my gosh. You guys are helping me out so much. Yay! All right, ready? Yeah. This is it. So we're, we come, we ask people about the religion, spirituality, and what that kind of means to them here. We hear all sorts of answers. I'm gonna start with some of the survey questions, just so we can know what file to put you in. Does that sound good? Do you mind if I crack open a beer? Please do. I just realized I'm kind of dehydrated. Yes, no, actually taking this survey is way easier with a beer. I'll take this survey. There you go, survey. Oh my gosh, what a funny person. Um, Hi, we're taking a survey. We found someone. You like, we can do a group survey just real quick. You're helping me out. I really appreciate it. Okay, so we're just starting out the big, broad, general one. Does anybody have, uh, like, identifiable religious or spiritual categories that you're in? You know, the usual, uh, like, Christian, atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, pagan. Say that one again. Cheerful nihilist. That's on the list. Yes, that was on. That's a good one. Okay, you're going in the cheerful nihilist uh, category. Anybody else? Kind of like a pantheon, kind of a vibe here. Okay. Yeah. Pantheon, like like an ancient pantheon or like a pagan exclusive pantheon? exclusive Greek gods. No, no, more <laughs> oh. like a pagan. Like I believe in the universe and all the gods that have been before. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Love it. Okay, yeah. perfect. Now, as far as spirituality or religion, is there a category? A defined category with which you uh, identify the usual Christian, Islam, Judaism. Uh, we've also got Wicca, Unitarian, Transhuman, Taoism, any of those sort of identifiable things. Not religious. Okay. Spiritual. Spiritual, not religious. That's a category. We got her. Um, what about Bob? Bob is, I think, divine. That's Definitely. what he is. He's For divine. sure. Yeah. Does anybody identify as any, you know, uh, uh, spiritual category? Sorry, religious category. I do not. 
This can be agnostic, atheist, Christian, Jew, Hindu, all those types of recognition. Yes. Jewish, but agnostic in belief? Like a secular Jew? Yeah, I guess so, if you want to put it that way, yeah. Wonderful, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, I don't know hopeful agnostic a, is the way I would put myself down, but raise raised Jewish. Are you I love reading it. a scripture? No, I'm not. I'm taking a survey. Are you interested in taking it? About what? Well, hold on. You can listen. You'll hear all about it. Yeah. Anybody else so have... Maybe uh, you're preaching to a secret. Hindu, I guess. Hindu? Yeah. Cool. That's the first one I've heard. Love it. How about you? Hello. Also, none is, none is also an answer. Yeah. Maybe agnostic. Probably yeah. Pagan. Yeah. Agnostic. Wicca. Agnostic. Okay, perfect. Atheist. Why didn't you ask the atheist? You didn't ask the atheist. Are you in... Okay, hello. Hello. Do you categorize your religious and spiritual beliefs? 100% atheist. As 100% atheist. Uh How refreshing. Can you believe it? I love it. Okay, so I'm going to be coming back to you because we've got one of those weirdos on our... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. A real quick insert here is that, you know, I'm I'm watching the deconstruction movement with, you know, a lot of the youth, uh, you know, leaving Christianity. And I got some thoughts on it, but it's not for here. But this type of survey probably testifies to that. And Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of people say, yeah, I was a Christian. Well, I don't know what that means because first John talks about the seed, uh, the seed of God being in you, meaning, you know, you're getting a new nature, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so I think we got a lot of, you know, people that really have never made that true commitment. Yeah, And right. so I want to ask Carl a question. And Carl, I know what you could do with this survey, but when you take the survey, how can the audience, how can the people out there benefit from your survey i I think one thing it does demonstrate to the audience is that the christian so-called christian community is our own mission field yes okay i think bing that's a big part of it uh it demonstrates that all right and i've seen this when i've gone when i've gone to wiccan events so many the majority i would say and i'd like to do some surveys in some of the wiccan events i've gone to uh, or that that i would like to go to again uh so many times they are former Baptist, Methodists. They come out of Presbyterian backgrounds. They come out of Anglican back- backgrounds, Lutherans, you name it. And I mean, we have the term Christian here. And some people have actually said, well, I'm a Catholic. Yeah. And I said, well, you can put that down as other. Yeah. And they'll, they'll do that. Yeah. So th- I'm not sure yet how to go through the data and, and really to begin to analyze it. I mean... I haven't even really had a chance to sit down and sort out what's happened. Yeah, you got to do some data entry. You right, right, because yeah. it's only been a day and a half ago since we drove out of the crazy place. Yeah. You know, so this is all fresh. But this is telling. This is very telling that within the Christian community, we ourselves, uh, I think, need to recognize that the mission field is right within the church. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. When I was walking around doing audio versions of your survey, I ran into, well, lots of people who would fit under that category. But one of the most interesting fellows I talked to was uh, a um, gentleman who was on track. I mean, honestly, kind of reminded me very much of me. He was... uh, 
Christian his whole life. He was on track to become a pastor, was going to seminary, or was going to go to seminary. Mm -hmm. And then through just life events and and time uh and some 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 very specific life events that happened found himself outside of the church mm-hmm. uh, on purpose and it was very interesting to hear i actually did quite a quite a long uh interview with him is quite interesting to hear how you know, he had everything that I had. He had every opportunity that, that I had. I mean, I think it's a miracle, honestly, that I'm still Christian, considering my peers, considering everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a miracle anybody my age right now, millennials specifically, are still, if that there's any Christians. Because apparently, like not only is it not guaranteed but it is more likely that mm-hmm. you will go off and start checking other boxes absolutely um and very interesting fella you know you start talking to these people but what occurred to me is that that is what makes it so difficult to evangelize in a traditional way at burning man is because most of them have spent decades as devout Christians. Right. They've, they've already had at least some Christian influence along the way at a personal level. Yeah. So some of the other uh, boxes they could check off, and, and this comes around to the issue of oneism and twoism. So I, I my hat's off to Dr. Peter Jones yeah. because he's the one who really developed that methodology. Oneism is the, the dominant worldview that says man, God, and nature are essentially the same. And that is by far the the view you see at Burning Man. And then the other position is that no, it's not oneism. The biblical position is twoism, God as distinct, exalted, a unique personality outside of creation, and then all the rest. Right. So interesting. An interesting way of looking at it. And those that becomes a touch point in a lot of the conversations, and it happened again this last week. I use that one and two fairly often. So the next set of questions actually fits within that parameter of oneism and twoism. So you can either disagree, somewhat disagree, be neutral, somewhat agree, or be, or agree on four main points. Religion and spirituality are the same, and I have that there more or less just to be that that's the opening. Yeah, it's the next. It's three a, that's it was important. a great opener. You put right. those in set. I found it. I loved the way that you. Uh, set these questions out because yes. especially in the the vocal act of mm. surveying somebody mm-hmm. like people are looking for what are, what is the angle what's the thing where are you leading me with these questions right and right the way you had them set out and especially the kicker at the end oh it was beautiful to watch them like Oh, okay. I guess I'm not sort of in some sort of trap or something. Right. And it yeah. was it's not designed as a trap. Yeah. Right. It's just designed to get to know them. Yeah. Period. And then that's that's the interesting thing because I know some people will be going, oh, "How come you're not I have this, you know, the the let's say the 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 criticism of even going to Burning Man. Like, how come you don't have the gospel laid out in your survey?" Right. Well, it's not a about that but however it did open up conversations oh yeah especially after and i'm not i don't have conversations i do this intentionally at the regionals and do this intentionally here uh i when i have people ask what are your positions i I say to them i said i i can talk to you about that afterwards yeah 
but not before. Yeah. Because this if I is talk science. To you, I right, can't the, taint I can't, the. I can't yeah. taint this. I can't taint the data. Yeah. Um, and I take this. I take my research seriously. Right. So the second question is: Is God? Pardon me. It's a statement. God is separate from nature and me. Yeah. That goes right to that oneism issue. Uh, humanity is valued above nature, and finally, Earth is a living organism, which yeah. is really interesting because those all I think all of them so far that I have seen just leaving through my surveys, all those who say present atheist say they agree that Earth is a living organism. And oh, I'm interesting. going, I'm like, oh, I thought you were about science. Yeah, the Gaia principle sneaking its way in. Right, right, yeah. right. This is, again, that blending of the, the secular with the mythological. I need to make sure to send you my... Uh, my vocal surveys oh, I'd like because because people cannot help but sort of talk it out right you could see some of them were processing yeah and the one at the end was very interesting um and we might uh, we not going to segue entirely away but the um the man this year was bee themed. That's right. You know, a hive. a hive. Yeah. And it had little cells of a beehive. It was all yellow. It was a whole thing. Yep. Bee. Uh, and which is interesting because in your work and my subsequent work, you know, we talk about the hive mind yep. or the. And collect- that, theme, that theme comes through the burn. Exactly. The, I mean, you were literally. It occurred to me that that's what. Burning Man is. Mm-hmm. It is a hive. Mm-hmm. They all come to the hive once a year, mm-hmm. and then the drones, the bees, they go out into the world mm-hmm. and they pollinate the ideas across the world. Then they come back. And this year, the man was uh, styled after a beehive. And uh, with a few of the people who I gave the survey to, they would look at that question. And it would stump them for a second because mm. you could tell they wanted to say yes, but they didn't know why. Mm. And so they would kind of vocally work through it. Cool. And they would, many of them came to kind of the conclusion that maybe they don't think that the dirt, the rock of the earth is alive, but that the earth is operating as an organism and it was all sort of about this hive mentality yeah you know the the life on earth the uh i'm trying to think of some of the uh scientific words that were used it is officially midnight that we are doing this uh, (laughs) this thing so that's why that's why everything um but they would make it through this process of they did believe that the earth was a living organism but when they had to look me in the eye <laughs> i know and tell me face to face that they thought the earth was alive they had to do some processing <laughs> and it, that is awesome <laughs> and it really many of them were got into this sort of hive principle right that they think the earth is a living organism but it's because we're like a hive mind type of thing yes which was very interesting given every data point leading up to that and including the the hive man the literal beehive that was the man um so you know that i had a very special 
experience oh, giving, you would. giving this survey to people's faces and having them answer. Okay, I'm going to give you some statements. Yep. And between disagree, somewhat disagree, agree, you know the thing, yep. the five stars. Yep. You could just do five stars okay. too. Let me know what you think about this. Religion and spirituality are the same. Uh, disagree. No. Disagree. No. There we go. Consensus. God is separate from nature and me. Tough question, right? There you go. We got a couple wait, waiting for answers. False. Okay, here's a good one. Humanity is valued above nature. False. That's good. Well, I think it, it, it is. is currently. It is. Yeah, I don't agree yes. with it. Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. Good. That's a good. Uh, I will edit the survey for next time. Earth is a living organism. Yes. There we go. Just a couple more, actually. Uh, nope. Actually, that's it. Are you doing research for something? Yes. Yeah, we're doing a anthropological sort of survey I was type of thing. With who? Yeah, it's Camp of the Unknown God. Okay. You heard of them? They're no. way over there, uh, but they come every year. They've been coming for many years and uh, keeping sort of census data on the spiritual uh, trends of the time at Burning Man. Cool. Religion and spirituality are the same. Disagree strongly. Disagree. Disagree strongly. Pretty serious and pretty quick. Okay. God is separate from nature and me. Disagree. Disagree. Yes. Uh, somewhat agree. Okay. Disagree. All right. A little somewhat unsure. Complicated question. Yes, I see. He's hedging his bets here. I like that. Next, next up, humanity is valued above nature. Strongly disagree. Strongly disagree. I mean, like how I see it or how the world sees it. People have answered it in both ways. So it, my piece of paper does not stipulate. We reject the premise of the question and try to submit our own uh, format for response. Rebel. Yeah. Rebel. There you go. Bureaucracy. Take it down yeah. from the inside. The, the radio identified themselves as agnostic, just so you know. Oh, that's good. Okay, we'll put Radio Man in the agnostic column. All right, almost done here, actually. Earth, wow. here's here's one. Earth is a living creature. Agree. 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 Okay, pretty. Disagree. Oh, we got a flying yeah. ointment. Earth is a living creature. Why do you disagree? Uh, the the Earth itself uh, doesn't have all of the properties of life. It's sure filled up with it. It's and, a rock. Yeah. And we'll probably continue to fill up more and more on the inside and the outside. Yeah, that nice little virus of humanity living on. That's good. Okay, I thank mean, you. I mean, all life. I mean, extremophiles are getting out there. I really appreciate this group because usually all the answers are unison, like they've taken the survey before and it's all the same. So I like we've got some. None of us are really friends, so that kind of helps. Yeah, we yeah, actually I just fucking hate this guy. We that can't helps. with them, but fuck them. <laughs> Religion and spirituality are the same. No, disagree. Sorry, I'm bad saw, at the scale. I saw that one coming. <laughs> saw that one coming. Uh, God is separate from nature yes. and me. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Yes. <laughs> what was your first clue? We're all waiting for Rob here. Oh, Rob, take your time, Rob. I got a couple more questions. God is separate from nature and me. Disagree. Disagree. Humanity is valued above nature. Humanity is part of nature. Good enough. Good enough for me. Earth is a living organism. 
Strongly agree. Strongly agree. Okay. Okay. So I've got some. Uh, this is your basic. It's science, folks. So sorry, we got to go through this. Disagree. Somewhat disagree. Agree. Somewhat agree. Agree. That thing, right? Everybody gets that. Okay. I'm gonna say some things, and uh, everybody, tell me what you think. Starting with number one, religion and spirituality are the same. No. Disagree. Disagree. All disagree. Okay. Uh, God is separate from nature and me. Disagree. Disagree. It is separate? God is separate from nature and me. Separate. Uh, I mildly disagree. Mildly disagree. Uh, Next up we have humanity is valued above nature. Now, there's two sides of this. Before somebody asks a question, this can be... What do, what unfortunately the world thinks, or what you personally think, or should be? Agree. Agree. You think that humanity is valued above nature? No. I, okay. I disagree. Disagree. Nature is above humanity. Okay. Yeah. Disagree. Agree. Agree. Okay. Beautiful. Here we go. Earth is a living organism. Yeah, agree. 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 All agrees all around. Okay, beautiful. See, when they're doing it on paper, the, I, I don't have that same, I didn't have that same visceral uh, yeah. effect that you had. Yeah. I it's had, like we got to set up a booth or something. Yes, next actually, time. that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I would love to see uh, uh, like a, a thousand or 1500 surveys done. Then we'd have some really good data to work with. Right. But we need funding for that. I need people for that. I mean, the, my main work is actually be after when I get home, I have a second cousin who said, Hey, I want to help you. So I'm like, fantastic. We're going to have lots of coffee. We got, we got a lot of stuff to work through. Right. And I had a lot of people ask, where's the data going to get published? So I'm really thinking I need to set up a website, maybe called burnresearch.com or something along those lines. I don't totally. even know what's available and start putting all of the data on because I think it'd be helpful. It would be really helpful, yeah. both for Christians and even just for the secular researchers who are interested in this phenomena. Right. Uh, page two was was how many times have you been to Burning Man? What was interesting with that was that uh, with that part of me is uh, how many times were f- people were first burners? There's uh, a lot of first burners. Tons of first burners. Yeah. Uh, have you attended regional burns? Again, there was some some yes, some no. Do you consider this to be a personally transformational event? Most times it was yes, and then giving explanation. Uh, do you see the 10 principles as being important, yes or no? And if yes, how have you incorporated the principles beyond the playa? Yeah. I have a couple I, in, my, in my stack of papers that I know ask the question, what are the 10 principles? Or I don't know the 10 oh, principles. Wow. That was really interesting. I had a situation at the airport where the person put it down going, Question mark. I don't know what the principles are, and then his buddy, which is a long, who is a long time burner, looked at his paper and goes, "Dude, you failed this completely." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And then, of course, the last section was on Burning Man during the COVID years. Did you attend the Free Burn or the Renegades? And Bob, you went to one of those. Yeah, and then uh, did you participate in any, in any of the virtual burns? And uh, check all the virtual burns that apply. Asking finally, uh, did the virtual burn? Uh, how do you would you describe your experience? Did it meet your expectations? Uh, provide a quality encounter, or offer a sense of connection? Explain. Yeah. And, and that's mixed. Yeah. For some, it, it really did, and for others, they're like, no, it sucked. Uh. 
Interesting. Yeah, and I did have the opportunity of uh, of of inevitably uh, or inadvertently uh, interviewing a few of the programmers oh. behind the virtuals. So they were super excited that that was in the survey. Cool. Um, and I'm really excited to go through the data because I've only gone through it just at a at a base level. Yeah, just leafing through it. Oh yeah, no, I can't. I, 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 I can't. Think one of the things that you know that I have to consider with with a survey like this is that uh, you know I I'm a Christian and I have my Christian experience. I've worked out all my philosophical issues, my biblical issues, and so forth. Uh, and so I don't have the same, uh, you know, experience that they have out there, what it means to them. But the, with through these surveys and so forth, I think it would give us some insight mm -hmm. that we got to realize they have a religious experience. Bingo. And, you know, how do we penetrate that? Yeah, how do we begin and, to And that's why it. I appreciate the research side of this. Yeah. Yeah, I did have an encounter with somebody from Census. One of the lead—I'm not sure if it was, she was a lead. I think she was a lead at Census, who did the survey. She was actually at the airport, and she was super excited. She did it, and she goes, "You need to come and talk to us at Census." Oh, interesting. She's like, "Our survey is um, is a totally different kind of survey, and it is." And she's going, "You're old school, and you are now literally walking up to people." And you are engaging at this at a human level, whereas their survey is not at a human level experience. Huh. It's a, it's a, it's more of an automated uh, type of online kind of. Mm. Here's a, you know, you just check the box and off you go, run away. Right. Yeah. Here, it's it's people are, are actually expressing themselves, almost right. like a temple experience of sorts. Yeah, because they're putting down what they're really thinking. Right. And so she was super excited, and, and unfortunately, just the way that. The Friday rains came, and then after that, just nothing ever really worked. You know yeah. how it works, up oh, yeah. man. No, I mean the whole my every plan I had was shot pretty yeah. much starting. And, and you could morning. even have a, a really great burn with no burning week with no no inclement weather, and the whole thing still just goes happens. to pot. Yeah, exactly. I'm sitting on a swing. I found a swing. My foot has been hurting. It's been hurting more than it should hurt. It's been a pretty rough day in the mud. Been walking around talking to people at the porta potties, at the nose waxing station. And I finally found a place to sit down here in Black Rock City, where the thought on everybody's mind is Am I being detained? Chapter 5. Animalia. One thing that's sort of important in so many ways every year is the theme, the Burning Man theme. Yeah. And this year was Animalia. Yeah. Do you want to uh, speak about that? You know, bit? it's kind of interesting you ask that because one of the questions is on my survey, humanity is valued above nature. Disagree, some would disagree, neutral, some would agree or agree. And so a lot of the art themes, of course, was animal-oriented. Yeah. And uh, uh, the response I was getting to that particular question on the survey, people were asking, hmm, are you asking me this question in a general sense, how what society thinks or what this theme, this event thinks? And I had to go, no, 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 no. You don't represent this event. 
you don't represent this theme. Right. You don't represent humanity. You just represent you. Right. So that was, I did not expect that. Mm. But the animalia theme ended up rubbing into that question. Yeah. And, and then the responses people were having because they were confused now. How do I answer this? Because that's the theme this year. Yeah. Animals. <laughs> what a funny theme, too. I know. Like, nobody, like, I didn't really, well, I'll say this. Through my worldview and my uh, uh, work experience and my fringe niche, you know, view of the world, the second we saw that it was Animalia, me and Gons, we go, oh, it's going to be chimeras. It's going to be, right. you know, the all this kind of stuff. And when I get there, it's you not. see, well, I saw every single piece of art. Maybe not every single piece of art. Many of the pieces of art were not of a single animal. No. They were of this sort of reimagining of the animal kingdom. Right. Did you see that one art piece that had the spinning pieces? The you know, it's it's basically kind of a build your own chimera type of right, right. type yeah. of thing. Yeah. And they had the bunny with the antlers with the you know yeah, the frog. Big jackalope idea yeah, the, yeah you know yeah. this kind of idea and, and then it, the big frog tent the big fr- the giant frog oh, tent okay so there's a backstory to that the frog tent yes okay okay did you go to it i didn't go inside of it oh it was really well done oh, okay super super rich great okay so the person who set that up is the founder of uh cirque de Olay, uh the famous circus yeah uh out of quebec Okay, my country. Oh, interesting. And as it was explained, I guess, in kind of a workshop or one of the sessions at the at, at that event, or pardon me, at the tent, uh, and, and people behind our camp had gone to this session, and they came back going, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, it was explained to us that because Cirque du Soleil is French, and in Canada, Western Canadians have a derogatory view of Quebecois and Quebecois has a derogatory view of Western Canada. That's our separating point. And, and some of it is there and some of it isn't, you know, it's just how, how, how it's kind of spun out in our national culture that if you're French, you're a frog, Uh uh you're a froggy. Yeah, and as it was explained and and, and was, what was interesting was the, the people camping behind us are American. They don't understand the cultural right. connections here. Mm-hmm. And the people they're talking to in my camp were all Western Canadians. Uh, uh-huh. Brian and Audrey are from Alberta. I'm from Manitoba. We are killing ourselves laughing because all of a sudden we realize that the culture war in my country between East and West, specifically Quebecois with Western Canada and this complete tension that's been going on for decades and decades and decades that plays out in our parliament, that plays out in our culture, that plays out in our economy is now being represented right here. Interesting. With the frog tent intentionally (laughs) as froggy and doing it in such a way as to almost stamp on Western Canada. Interesting. And we're like, we now want to make an anti-froggy camp. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, you know, 
There's wonderful folks in yeah. Quebec. Wonderful yes, folks in Quebec. Course. But that is, of course, our political tension point. That is so interesting. Yeah, they, so uh, all this was now being played out at Burning Man. I would have never even known. See, I, know. I didn't even go in there. I didn't know what was in there. Yeah. What was it like a circus or something? No, no, no. They just had, they had a big bar set up on one end and then oh, they had okay. a great big stage on the other. And then they had little side rooms where there was lounging areas and it was just basically yeah, just a zone. Big, big, yeah, big, yeah. big zones. All that is so funny. Yeah. yeah. You know, the Animalia thing was very interesting because it was uh, something in the copy. I don't remember what the copy exactly said, but it was something like we're celebrating the animal kingdom and right. nature's beauty and stuff like that. And I go walking from art piece to art piece and everything was like, I mean, that's the thing about art is you're having to sort of reimagine something. If you're trying to do art about uh, frogs, right. say, you could make just like a frog but then you're you're sort of walking the line of arts and crafts mm, you know mm -hmm. a craft is creating something well art has this like it has an interpretive element yeah it's this interpretive element it's got this sort of ethereal thing art can be you know you can just have a green blob and call it a frog and that's <laughs> yeah. you know that's a frog art yeah so there's this interesting thing so like i understand i want if anybody out there is listening and you're thinking that basil doesn't get art i get art okay i get it but you know if the whole thing is sort of centered around celebrating what i would call creation you know celebrating creation is something mm -hmm. but then to reimagine and i mean quite literally almost every single piece of art was like a chimera type thing i mean even even if there there was a an art piece that had an armadillo and an eagle and uh something else on the other side but it was sort of made robotic and lit up in a strange way and sure. kind of had this other uh, thing to it which was it gave me the impression that like yeah we're here to whatever we might say we're celebrating the animal kingdom but really what we're doing is reimagining we're actually breaking down binaries <laughs> that's probably what it is we're breaking down binaries we're right. breaking, breaking things down but breaking it down into that oneist perspective the postmodernism, right the the the, the oneism twoism right. you know i don't have a creative bone in my body so when i hear you guys talking about this right i'm thinking of maybe the symbolism of old babylonian you know eagles and uh bears and whatever that they had right it's almost uh, it reflects to me like that but right. again i'm not an, i'm not an artist so so an interesting art piece bob that you would have found fascinating period even if you're not interested in art is a certain chapel a certain chapel that was in deep playa or deeper playa uh just kind of off to the side of the temple and it was a chapel of Babel. Chapter 6 The Chapel of Babel. 
I thought I'd give a quick little mini report for another very interesting part about uh, Burning Man this year. Burning Man is well known for its displays of modern paganism, occult spirituality, of lots of things. I mean, it's not just that, but it's the representation of spirituality and religion at Burning Man is as broad as you could possibly be, even though, you know, the Christian representation is quite small, not zero, but quite small. And this is displayed in a lot of different ways. There's lots of rituals, public rituals, lectures and teachings and uh, preachings going on. Of course, no Christian preaching, but all the other ones are okay. And art, and this art can take many forms. Paintings or sculptures, to performance art, but included in this art is architecture. The thing that separates Burning Man from other transformative event, even that's more like a concert or whatever, is the architecture and the art and all that that comes together for these huge displays, which kind of brings to life all the philosophies and ideas. With <laughs> eyes to see, each one of them has just extraordinary spiritual significance, perhaps literally or, you know, especially to those who can kind of recognize what they're looking at. And one of the biggest, I think it was the biggest this year, with the exception of the man and the temple was something called the Chapel of Babel. Ooh, the Chapel of Babel. The Chapel of Babel was somewhere around 60 feet high. Dare I say, <laughs> probably 66 feet high. It was a ziggurat, much like the ancient Tower of Babel. The top of this ziggurat was a sort of golden capstone, which included some stained glass. Around the entire outside, it was just absolutely adorned with black and white photography, symbology, Oops. occult iconography. It had the tarot archetypes. It had, honestly, just some very strange stuff that I didn't really know exactly what it was, but it was obviously had some sort of occult significance. Like pregnant women uh, and other things Pregnant going women, on. yeah, yeah like right. There's a baby. Yeah. Just very ritualistic looking eyeballs all over oh, the yeah, place. Eyes all over, yeah. Of course, you could go inside the Chapel of Babel. The doorway to the Chapel of Babel was interesting because looming very large over the door, Larry Harvey. And Larry Harvey was one of, if not the sort of of founding father of Burning Man. His image is gigantic. You almost like walk through his mouth or something to go into the chapel. And of course, he had a nice little third eye that was opened up. Inside was just as extravagant, very intricate. Intricate, just yeah. Endless amounts of this black and white symbology yeah, I, and iconography. I, I, yeah. I think True Stream Media said the not so occult ritual. Yeah, it's not really occult anymore. It's, it's occult means hidden. It's not hidden. Right. It's, yes. It's just yes. there now. It's like, hey, yes. we're here. And on the inside, you'll notice people with eyes to see can see that there is an arch. Mm -hmm. An arch that looks very familiar to many people. It is missing the capstone at the top of the arch because it is the Arch of Bale. Mm -hmm. Big, nice Arch of Bale on the inside as the stained glass, you know, showers the whole thing with light. And it was really an incredible piece of 
construction. Of course, the destiny of the Chapel of Babel was to be burnt, to set it on fire. And it was the site of a number of events and rituals. Some people, so I talked to a few people and they all kind of considered it in a similar way, which is that it was the third landmark of Burning Man. If you know the history, you know, of course, Burning Man always had the man <laughs> that got burned. And then one year they made the temple and everybody liked the temple thing so much that it kind of just stuck around and became a part of the institution. Now, every year there's the man that burns down and there's the temple that burns down. Mm. And I have a sneaking suspicion, considering that the artist who created the Chapel of Babel said that this was the last thing that he would make out on the playa. Mm. I think there's a very good chance that this Chapel of Babel will become a repeated piece of construction. Yeah, they'll just keep doing it until uh, Bale comes down, you know? He just shows up, he's like, I am Bale! And he's, (laughs) he's, he's there. It was a ziggurat, built as a ziggurat, to reflect Babel. And in fact, it even said right in the door, Babel. They didn't hide that. Um, and it had hundreds of images placed all over it. Uh, most of the images had a tarot interpretation or a Wicca witchcraft interpretation. Very occult expression. That's right, yes. Uh, Non-binary expressions. uh, Very much about, uh, it it, it was a a collage. The whole building was a collage of of these base occult ideals. Yeah, archetypal. That's right. And then when you walked inside of it, you had a triumphal arch in the very middle of it, uh, which was fascinating, if you understand mm-hmm. the meanings of the triumphal arch. Right. And then the interior of the Tower of Babel, and I'm gonna call it that because that's what it was, even though they call it the Chapel of Babel. Then you can see the interior, the, the ziggurat design going right up to the very top, and the very top, the capstone, was uh, kind of a, a different color, a goldish, yellowish kind of a color, right. offsetting it completely from the rest of the structure. The entrance to going into the Chapel of Babel had a cutout of Larry Harvey, the founder of Burning Man, who now stood above everybody walking into Babel. Right. Oh my word, the symbolism is through yeah. the roof. And he had, I think, didn't he have like a third eye? Yeah, yes, yeah, so his third eyes all on. over the crazy yeah, building. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was really astounding. You know, I'm a little disappointed in myself because I didn't learn that that's what that was until it was too late. They oh, had already they had already closed it down. Oh, stink. Um, one of these things that they were planning to burn, they were planning to burn it earlier in the week. That's right, the rain, da, 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 da. Yep. So um, it was kind of before I could go on the inside, so I did miss it. But oh. I, I got the outside, and I got I got the picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can show you pictures of the inside. Yeah, I'd love and, to see that. And a video walkthrough. Yeah, I would yeah. love to see that. Because yeah. Yeah, really, you know, it kind of had... When I saw it and when I learned what it was and when I saw it, I kind of got the impression that, oh, this is one of those things that could, like, might start popping up again. Mm-hmm. Like, it could start popping up as a, a repeated structure, kind of like how the temple yes. started that way. Yeah. 
as like a project, but then became a thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. wondering. That would be interesting to see yeah. how that would develop. Now, yeah. I have an imagery uh, of Babel. Um, what did you take away with it uh, as far as from a, you know, a, a Christian worldview that were these guys uh, looking at it as a good thing? Oh, um, for, first of all, the way that they built it was intentional. Oh, they were very informed. Oh, yes. Yes, very, very informed. And, and so, um, Bob, have you seen pictures of it? Uh, no. No? Okay. No, yeah, one of the things that my wife and I, uh, you know, as we watch secular movies, we find out that some of these movie uh, people know a lot more than what we think they know yeah. uh, about Christianity and the symbolism and the subtleties, you know. And uh, so it, it's fascinating me, to me to see type, some type of Oh, yeah. So well, there it is, Bob. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. I, I've got lots of pictures to show you yet. Okay. Sorry, sorry, Gons. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think, I think that's a good uh, thing to point out because... There's um, the inside. Oh yeah, there it is. Oh, that's very interesting. And, and, oh, it had a confessional. And it's got the arc it, there, and it's missing the capstone on the arc. That's right. It had a confessional on the inside yeah. with a person inside the confessional booth, so you could go in and confess your sins. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I could see that being a repeated offense there. Well, you know the thing. The interesting thing is the uh, a true modern occultist is very knowledgeable about the Bible. Oh yeah. They're very knowledgeable, especially about things like the Tower of Babel, mm -hmm. Babylon, stuff like that. Because as, an, as a good occultist, you do recognize some deity that identifies it as Yahweh. You might, you know, you might be a little bit more on the Gnostic side where Yahweh is the demiurge and not to be worshipped and there's a higher God above Yahweh, that kind of thing. But when they uh, talk about Babel, they, they identify with Babel in, in sort of a, an affectionate way because the Tower of Babel, obviously, being a rebellion against uh, the, the wishes, the commandments of Yahweh, the uh, it's sort of a humanist symbolism mm -hmm. because it's the ascension of man uh, into the heavens or whatever. And so as an occultist, depending what school you're coming from, you know, ascension is the goal. Right. Rebellion is the goal. You gain power from identifying. I mean, a lot of the uh, tarot symbology, a lot of the. I mean, occult symbology as a whole, a lot of it is biblical, mm -hmm. but it is coming from, uh, you know, they might read the Bible or learn about the biblical stories as sort of not learning about the enemy, but re reading a history book from the winning side. So the idea is sort of during that time, Yahweh sort of became victorious in what is documented in the Bible. But as a good occultist, your job now, you know, you know that the history was written by the victor. Wow. 
So you're reading a history book written by your oppressor or your enemy or whatever. Right. So they will read the story of Babel and read the whole thing word for word and say, ah, the good old days. Let's try it again. But, <laughs> you know, but in a less sort of literal way. Reminds me of kind of a little take on Ayn Rand where uh, she comes up as, uh, you know, the rationalist, the uh, objective, uh, objectivism or whatever she called it, and, and uh, you know, that morals and this type of stuff was because you use proper reason, but she ends up having an affair with the couple that she had to get married, and all that is ends up being a disaster a disaster right and so uh you know uh she hated religion mm -hmm. you know yeah. but she made her own and then uh it failed mm. so with all these you know like uh god's the oppressor and and satan freed us in you know rebellion right you know yeah and uh i i i think of that when i think about babylon mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that yes yeah well it's interesting because a lot of occultism a lot of modern occultism wouldn't it, it only exists in opposition right to god without the bible without christianity they would have a lot less material to practice right. you know? that's right so so there was an irony a very rich wonderful irony that took place at babel when it burned hmm. on monday night so monday night we stuck around for the man burn and we stuck around for the babel burn uh -huh. we did not stick around for the temple burn i am kind of disappointed about that but at the same time uh sorry it's, it was really hard it was really 10 yeah. days in the desert for us right and so at, at the at the Babel burn, um, it was around midnight when it happened. Um, we were sitting beside a, a young lady and her boyfriend or husband, who whatever he might be to her. And she had struck up a conversation with Brian. Now, Brian was exhausted. We're all exhausted at this point. Brian just wants to basically have his eyes closed, wait for the fire, and then we'll walk back to camp. Yeah. Okay. And uh, but she strikes up this conversation with Brian, and this seems to always happen with Brian, by the way, which is kind of cool. And we bug Brian about that, which is also kind of fun. <laughs> and so she's she wants this conversation, and they have Emma talking about traveling and that kind of thing. Whatever, it's light stuff, just light stuff. Babel burns, it's a beautiful flame, by the way, it's like a big candle going off. Mm. And then when it's all done, they, they engage a little bit more with this conversation before we break away. And Brian pulls out one of his crosses and he hands it to her and he simply says, trust Jesus. And she stops dead right there. She's holding the cross and she is stopped. And she reaches out and she grabs Brian's arm and she looks at Brian in the eyes for 15, 20 seconds, no words are said. This is, this is kind of awkward. Tears are running down her face. She turns to Audrey, looks into her eyes for 15 or 20 seconds, tears streaming down her face. She grabs my arm. I reach over and grab her shoulder. Same thing, tears streaming down her face. I have no clue what was going on. 
but at some point either the husband or boyfriend you know does something behind her to kind of break the thing or whatever it was something happened and she got up hmm. and left I have no clue yeah. I have no clue what was going on but whatever happened when Brian gave her that cross and just said to her the very simple but powerful words trust Jesus something inside of her broke yeah yeah. And that was incredible. And I mean, it's so, there's such a heavy story because of what we already know about the demographics there. That, yes. You know, she probably has a long history with Christianity. And here she is. She's in the desert. She's having her own Babel moment, watching the Chapel of Babel burn. She, she did say she was on a journey. Yeah. She had told us that. Right. And then to have Christ pop up in the least expected place can be right quite powerful thing. Yeah, was, I'm going to say awesome. we can sometimes underestimate things like that. But right. when I was being witnessed to, I I wanted to rebel against it, and I was I thought it was a conspiracy theory or conspiracy that all these people kept talking about Christ, all unrelated. So I jump on a bus and. From Santa Ana, I go to Costa Mesa, California. I get off the bus, and there's this hippie guy uh, coming towards me, and he goes, Bob. And I realized I hadn't seen this guy in 15 years. And he just said, the Lord wants me to give you this Bible. And he walks off, right? I jump back on the bus. I'm freaking out. And it's within days I come to Christ, mm -hmm. right? So something yeah. small, like right, uh, that seems small and insignificant, right, can be a giant. And it was obvious it wasn't small for her, right? Just what she, how she responded, looking in her eyes, like straight on, eye to eye, lock each of us, all three of us, and we couldn't break away. It wasn't about that. She was having a moment, and the tears streaming down her face. You're going, man, something's going on. Like, yeah. what's going on? And that's just the yeah. simple act of shining the light in the dark place. Exactly. You know, she's, yeah. she's in a dark place, and she's been out in the desert for nine, ten days at that point. Right. And she's... Uh, you know, like she said, on a journey mm -hmm. looking for something, another seeker at Burning Man. And on the last day, on the last burn of the day, yep. the, on at the last, Babel. at the burning <laughs> of the Chapel of Babel, and some guy says a simple phrase, and it's the answer she's been waiting for the whole time. I mean, that's the stuff when people you know get mad that we don't have a a, a, a sinner's prayer booth or right. something and right. at burning man that's just simply being the light in the darkness and that's more powerful again that's a testimony yeah you know having some annoying person tell you what you already know because you were a christian as a kid and right now you're you know somebody who is previously a christian but is now identifying as something else is going to be embarrassed by mm. a christian with a megaphone doing the classic of street evangelism at right. burning man they're going to be embarrassed and it's going to strengthen the position that they're making the right choice moving away from christianity right, right. you forget john three seventeen. Mm, yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah, right yeah the world is condemned and christ has come to save it right we're all condemned without christ we're all condemned myself yep. included 
and that's something that you know you i i personally really do like about being at burning man Mm -hmm. is that it is a place filled with seekers and they are all on journeys that i could not even comprehend right but somehow always end up playing some sort of role in yeah that again i just have to trust jesus the work will be completed that's not my job bingo but you know and wherever our feet are that is where our mission is right right and when you're at burning man that's where your mission is and again the fact that i can't find anybody out else out there doing it is yep. is strange yeah I, I i had the vision of you guys entering enemy territory right at babel mm. right you're right there uh i mean one of the things and i think as christians that we have to know that uh, the result isn't ours right. that, that's that's up to god that's why uh first john 3 9 says that we're born again God's seed, right, and 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 being born again. All the these statements in the Bible. I was out witnessing, used to witness, well, I still do, to cults, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd have a four or five hour debate with two cultists, you know, defending a, another Christian, and I'd go home, and I actually laid on my bed and cried yeah. because I couldn't get through to them, yeah. uh-huh. right? And then one day it came to me that, hey, that's not up to me. I just got to be there. Yep. And that's as Christians, but we should be there mm-hmm. and let those doors open. Yeah. The only way you're not doing your job is if you don't show up. Yeah. <laughs> Good I, point, Basil. I'd get fired if I didn't show up to my regular job, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chapter 7, Pharmakia. One other thing that, that we are doing and when it comes to the research side, uh, and that is we're looking not just simply for what, are, what is happening within the burning community, but what big conversations, what globally impacting conversations are in play. Yeah. So we ended up, for whatever reason, ended up at a lot of workshops on psychedelics. Yeah, right. And and of course, that fits within the burn culture to some extent. But we tend to forget that at Burning Man, you have the creme de la creme of the psychedelic community. Right. You have people like Rick Doblin. You have uh, representatives from 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 various. Oh, so I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. You have representatives from various other psychedelic uh, subcultures. They're all there. Right. And of course, Rick Doblin is kind of like the, the secretary general of the psychedelic world globally. So we ended up at a workshop. And this dovetailed with one of the pres- pres- uh, presentations I was at at the Parliament of World Religions two weeks ago. I was at a presentation at the Parliament on the introduction of psychedelics within christianity at the level of engaging in psychedelic spirituality at chaplaincy levels and within seminaries yeah okay yeah and richard Rohr was one of the was of course he was was one of the panelists yeah yeah and and these are all quote-unquote christians 
on this panel talking about how now we are having to now that we're into the psychedelic renaissance it is time that we engage with seminaries with colleges to bring about a new psychedelic spirituality within the christian fold at an institutionalized level so back to burning man back to just last week we're in go- we're going to a workshop on jesus and psychedelics uh. at the other camp that claims to be christian Mm. which has a very interesting name that I'm not going to repeat on air because this is a family channel. Yeah. Yeah. You know I was actually in contact with them last year. Okay. I did. I stopped in and did some talking with them. The, yeah. I did a little interview Yeah. Uh, with them, and sadly, all of my material from last year got destroyed or oh, got no. lost. Yeah. I, my bike got knocked over, and my memory card that was in there yeah. went flying, and oh. I panicked, and I put everything back in there as one of those moments. Yeah, I yeah, put yeah, everything yeah. in my bag and got up and got, got going, and it wasn't in there. But um, I got in contact with them afterwards okay. and actually have some contacts and was going to do some more stuff. But I yeah, didn't do yeah. anything. I've got their year. older worship book. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. I mean, very interesting. Oh, very interesting group. Group. So at the Jesus Psychedelics uh, workshop, we had uh, current and former pastors, Lutherans, uh, Anglicans, I think Presbyterian, about 40 or 50 people all told were cycling in and out. Some non-Christian, everybody else was pretty much identifying in some way, shape, or form as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Christian seeker, Christian mystic, Christian by by name or by birth or whatever. Right. Or I actually attend a church. And, and whereas the parliament gave us the institutional argument for the introduction of psychedelics into the Christian community, this workshop gave us the personalized reasons why this is going to become a thing. And we we walked away, all three of us having to sit down afterwards and quickly work through some some notes and, and kind of like a debrief of what just took place. And because we have a church culture now that is extremely gullible and susceptible and where discernment is completely outside the out of the window. Uh, for the most part, I really do see that psychedelics and Christianity will end up in this sort of bizarre dance. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see this taking place within the Christian community. Yeah. Yeah. I have already seen it happen on personal levels. Yes. I've yes. Had, had conversations with people who are advocating for similar stuff. Yep. And you know what? It starts there if they're talking about it at the Parliament of uh, World Religion. Religions. And then at Burning and Man. And then at Burning Man. It's, it's a thing. It's honestly, after last year where I w- was going to the psychedelic workshops and their whole thing was, we're going into like the elite leadership of global leadership. We're mm-hmm. going to be talking to world leaders. We're going to be doing mushrooms with you know uh, uh the president of blah 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 you know talking yep. about high level government activity yep it was only months later that the davos uh uh, uh summit of the world economic forum mm-hmm. had had a psychedelic shaman at mm-hmm. had a psychedelic shaman doing psychedelia in a tent at davos only months later right and so if they're talking about you know the a 
And that's why Burning Man is a culturally important, globally important, the sharp edge of the research spear. And it happens quickly too. Very quickly. If you don't, you know, it's it's sort of it's sort of the last and only place that you can catch a signal. Yep. Before it's too late, or I mean, it might before already it becomes be too late. mainstream. Before it's before it's there. But we right? can before prepare it's for the battle. Bingo. To come. Yeah. Uh, a little interjection here. Uh, there's a car parked uh, outside in back of my fence there, and I pull up to it, and I roll down my window. You come from Burning Man? He goes, yes. I said, pull in behind my fence there. I got a power washer. I'll wash your car. Yeah. He does, and he told me what camp he was from, which okay. we don't want to mention on the air, right? Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, but he was telling me about it, and I'm, I'm giving him my phone number. I'm witness to him. I give him some tracks, right? And I say, you know, why don't you uh, go back and get your people? And let's do a Zoom call, <laughs> right? And so I, I need to really prepare if he does call. But I just find it interesting is that, you know, I showed Carl this morning David Wilkerson's uh, uh, debate interview with uh, the Jesus people that were taking LSD uh -huh. back in 1967 or 8, right? Yeah. And so uh, we do have a church in California that's an LSD Christian church, allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I believe it. I, I think that's another thing about Burning Man. We're going to learn what's coming down the pike. You bet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Chapter 8, The Temple Burn. I was not planning on going this year. That was not the plan. It just wasn't in the cards. Finances, everything just didn't occur to me that that Get was that. the thing. And suddenly, everybody was selling their tickets. Yep. Flooded. There was thousands and thousands and thousands of tickets. I got my ticket for 10% of what I usually would pay for the ticket and it was odd and i would say live on air like I, I don't know why i'm very suspicious i don't know what other people know that i don't know but for this price i can just buy the ticket and if i don't go it's not the end of the world you right. know and uh, i was just very interested in what was going on why were these tickets available so available that i was sort of spiritually i felt obligated to mm -hmm. buy a ticket do you know what was going on i don't do you okay yeah i do i have a you little do. bit of an insight you know. yes. okay. yeah i have a little bit of an insight okay great uh, because I, I do have some interactions with some of the individuals at, at different levels within the organization or not not necessarily directly inside the organization but within the the folks who have some influence the orbit yeah, yeah the orbit that's a great great way of saying it basil thank you uh a few things were taking place number one the economy is yeah, hurting right and people bought the tickets early on a lot of them and now all of a sudden they're in a tight spot what do you do you got to dump the tickets that's a part of it and it's actually a perfect storm of a bunch of different things happening at the same uh -huh. time the organization themselves restructured tickets this year to try to uh, alleviate some of the scamming that was taking place and allocated more tickets to certain theme camps. Huh. And all of a sudden there was an imbalance of theme camp tickets versus main sale tickets versus FOMO tickets versus 
um, OMG sale tickets, and there was this crazy imbalance that took place. And all of a sudden, there was theme camps going, we don't have tickets. And other theme camps were going, oh my goodness, we've got 10, 15 extra theme camp tickets. Uh. And you added all that in, and all of a sudden, people were like, all right, we've got... I know I, I know of one camp, I think they had bought 20 or 30 extra tickets oh, wow. and didn't have the people show up because of their own personal economic situation. Yeah, right. And now they're dumping them because they have to try to recoup some losses somehow. So it was this perfect storm of all kinds of things, from the, re, from the organization restructuring the ticket scheduling system to the economy. And one of my interesting takeaways with this year's burn was how many international attendees that were that were there. Huh. Uh, there always is people from all over the world. It seemed like much more. A lot. Yeah. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my goodness, it's the Europeans. It's those from Central America. It's from Latin America. It's from Argentina who are affording, from Japan. I talked to a gentleman from Japan mm. uh, who are now coming to the burn because yeah. they're, they maybe have more disposable income than the average American. I kept running into French people. Lots of it French. It seemed like people. everybody Lots. was French. I was yes. like, what are all these Frenchies doing? Lots here? of Mexicans. I mean, I get you got a lot of problems and, going on right now. And those troublesome folks above the border, those Canadians. <laughs> those Canadians. Oh, I ran Canadians <laughs> everywhere, which was actually a lot of fun. <laughs> so there was this this interesting perfect storm that was taking place within the ticket structure. So there wasn't like a secret no super secret weather report that no. went out a month before where some oracle had divined that the rain was coming and so everybody no, dumped their tickets no, no, no. that was one of my theories yeah there was other things that were taking place okay. more practical that things. makes sense yeah that makes that yeah. makes more sense than my thing yeah. including the organization screw up with their ticket scheduling which they have done a remarkable good job of screwing things up at previous burns before. Yeah, right. I've had that encounter myself. So, yeah. Um, this year's burn, of course, was was unique. Very unique. Uh, we had less people attending. Roughly seventy to 73,000. And that includes our... Uh, that includes the, the, the volunteers. Mm -hmm. So, the total number of probably paying attendance was roughly 60,000. Which is down about 10... 10,000 from other years. Yeah, right. Uh, the big art didn't show up. Not the way we had it in other years. We did have some big art. Yeah. But there was there was a noticeable lack of of certain art cars, certain certain art pieces, or at least the size of art pieces. And, of course, the Mind Warrior art car didn't show up because it burned on the road this summer. Right, yeah. You know, the, which is a $3.5 million art vehicle that just went up in flames. Lots of theories about that one. Yeah. There's stories about, uh, you know, the cartel had built that one and the right. fire may have resulted in uh, quite the insurance payout or whatever. I know. But I did notice that there were basically no giant art cars. No, the only one that was out there was uh, the one that was emulating the iceberg of the Titanic. I'm trying to think what the name of it was. It's oh, something along the line I didn't even see that one. It's out there like two, two or three times that I that I caught it. Right. Of course, we also had what, three rain days, so it didn't yeah. go anywhere. Well, because usually <laughs> there's about a half a dozen gigantic gigantic right. art cars. And my warrior kind of was the anchor right. for a lot of that. Yeah. You do a lot of link-ups. Mm -hmm. And this year, that that dynamic was missing. Yeah. Really missing. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that a result of the 
weather or was that just the, Again, I think the economics of it. The fading, yeah. yeah. I, I guess that is kind of the big thing. Yeah. Okay, so you have this perfect storm of sort of global world events. Right. Being reflected. Right. And also last year, how harsh last year was, turned a lot of long-time burners off saying, I need a break. Yeah, that also was a part of it. Which, again, back to the global sort of reflection, uh, you know, you've got the climate change uh, cult, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, <laughs> whatever the climate change thing happened, and it was, uh, you know, I read an article from Wired, I think, this morning talking about how climate change is killing Burning Man, how last year it was too hot, now this year there was a hurricane. They kept using the word hurricane, which is silly. And, uh, you know, so you've got this, We when we talk about Burning Man, you know, as the sort of, as a hub for ideology, uh, psychological operations, uh, all sorts of things, yep. you know, sort of to be a reflection of the broader world into one um, singular point, and then something happens there, and then it goes, gets exported back out to the rest of the world. Bingo. So, so you can see all these global things happening, whether it's economic issues, whether it's war in Ukraine, whether it's climate change frenzy, whether it's whatever being so concentrated in one place mm -hmm. and you can i mean you almost have to assume anything that happens to burning man is a reflection of what is globally or what will be globally absolutely so it, it, it is an international event mm -hmm. yeah. it has international cultural importance yeah like i mean I, I could be mistaken, but I don't think the Jehovah Witnesses ever got a spot in the Renwick Gallery with with the Smithsonian in Washington D.C. Right, right, right. But Burning Man did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there is a cultural importance here at this event. It's the staging ground for so many innovative ideas. It's a petri dish for postmodernism. It is a, a setting where, and you just described it as a psychological operation, it is a setting where you can engage in social experimentation. And it's very openly discussed there. Yeah. My goodness, we don't even hide that. Oh, they talk about it out in the open. Yes. Yeah. They, they, they say, they will say the same things we're saying. If a, if a, you know, a burner, maybe not your regular free camping burner, but a, if you somebody, go to some of the theme camps, like let's say Camp uh -huh. Mystic or yeah. Playa Alchemist, mm -hmm. or you know some of the other ones, they'll say the exact same thing we're saying, right? And they'll even talk, give you, giving you exact points of how this is taking place. So just to stay a little bit chronological, the yes. first couple days of this burn were normal, basically Maybe. normal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you you've got a couple days to get used to. The lack of art cars and the fewer people, which actually right. was kind of fine, but, yep. but more or less it was normal, right? Right, right. Um, when did we have the first squalls? Uh, was that Sunday night? I'm just quickly looking at my notes about here. Three days in, if I remember. I got Could there. Be. I got there Tuesday night, basically Wednesday. Okay, I so think it was Thursday and Friday were normal, and then Saturday it really. Yeah, maybe it was, no, it was Friday. Friday. It was Friday, Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. Right. So, okay, chronologically, 
So Sunday was a decent day. Uh, my goodness, when we went You're in, out there day one. Yeah, You're we on were. time. Oh, okay. ab- absolutely. Good for you. Hey, if I'm going to drive all Correct. the way across the continent, <laughs> I'm going to get here on time for this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, sorry, yeah. you're just down yeah. the road. Yeah. I'm in another country. <laughs> That's right. That makes a lot more sense. That's hilarious. So, you know, Sunday was a really great day. We there was no wind. There was no dust storms coming in in into gate. Everything went nice and smooth. Yeah, we set everything up. Uh, there was another couple from Manitoba who I brought their tent down with. Uh, the first time burners, they flew in and then took the burner bus from Reno. I packed a bunch of their stuff. I packed in their, their, their tent for them. And now I've got a whole bunch of stuff in their car for them. I'm packing out for them. Um, and so I, you know, I made connections with them, made sure they got their tent. Everything went really well. I think it was Monday night we had our first, oh boy, I think it was Monday night we got our first good hard wind squall because Brian, Audrey, and I were at the temple around midnight. And all of a sudden, it was like, boom. And the dust just went right through the temple. Oh, wow. And Brian and Audrey didn't have their masks with or bandanas with. And we all know that that's essential. Yeah. You need, you need bandanas or something. survival thing. Right. You have to breathe. And so we ended up stumbling back to our camp in the dark. Uh, I mean, because there's a full-on whiteout. That's a nightmare. At midnight. And yeah. For those who do, might not know, the temple, which I think is an interesting topic, if you've got things, totally. I'm very curious to know why you're at the temple at midnight. But the temple is about the furthest main structure away from the living area. So you were, you know, as the crow flies, I don't know, you could say a mile. Yeah, I, or and so. I was on H. Yeah. I was on H. Street. Maybe a mile from camp as the yeah. crow flies. Uh, which is, you know, pretty, f- uh, on a regular sort of night cruising around looking at things is not uh, the end of the world. But midnight, my goodness, you guys don't have a bedtime? What were you doing out there at midnight? You know, I actually went to bed earlier at this burn than I have at any other burns. Me because, too. Because, I was a very responsible adult. Oh, <laughs> well, I've been on the road for a month, hey? Uh, being at the parliament first and speaking at a conference in Bend and then jumping all over the place. And wow. so I hadn't had a lot of sleep. Yeah. Uh, even on my run from from the Midwest, U.S. Midwest, to, to Bend, Oregon, to do these conferences, I was sleeping in my car to get here. It's just so there wasn't a lot of sleep. So mm-hmm. I came into this burn burnt out. Yeah, and I knew that I had to be careful. Wow. So I mean, I think the latest I was up was like I think two thirty or three o'clock. Yeah. But I mean, previous burns, it's like I'm not going to go to bed before usually four. Yeah. And I'm up at eight, and you just. Go on a drill and a coffee, right? Because most of the stuff is happening. Most of the stuff of interest, the right. things that, you know, the, the stuff we talk about, a lot of the rituals, a lot of the this, a lot of the events happen in the middle of the night. And my goodness, I've just drove three days to get here. Right. I'm not going to miss it. Right. I- <laughs> and well, the- I, I got to say something with Carl is that he's single-minded. I, I was coming to 2017 burn and I get a call. I uh, just ran into a deer. That's where he got his playa named Deer Killer. <laughs> and, uh, and I just thought, well, it's over. You know, he's not going to be here. And man, he was a trooper. He made it. And I do have to say one more thing, Carl, you take it back over. But uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm getting up toward seventy, right? Shame on you, young Christians, for not coming out there. Right? <laughs> but uh, 
But I would get in about one to one thirty in the morning because we we go out separately also, right? Because yeah, right. I like to hit the camps to talk to people, and uh, Carl would come uh, in around three o'clock to three thirty, if I remember correctly, every night. I felt like I had to be his mother, Carl. You better call me before you know uh, if you're going to be in late. No, <laughs> no. But he uh, he he was up in the morning out doing things, and Carl uh, is is a trooper. Yeah, yeah. No, he's an animal. He's a machine. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it depends what the theme for the year is. Uh, it depends on the bags underneath the eyes. After the, oh, yeah. that's what it does. I feel yeah. them. I feel them. They are strong. So yeah. tell me. So, let's okay. talk about the temple just a little bit because sure. you were at the temple. Uh, Fascinating. Men- building this year very ornate very large yeah. for for a temporary building yep that is planned to be burned right extraordinarily large one of the best ones i've seen and absolutely sort of magnificently intricate absolutely this year had, had 900 panels laser cut plywood panels on the roof it, it incredible just outrageously intricate panels that you know yep. uh, created quite the effect when you were walking through during the day or the night i imagine right um we we found out the cost oh of the temple yeah well five hundred thousand, and that did not include the volunteers time yeah that did not include uh donated materials that did not include uh, the the donated transportation to come in. Yeah, I, uh, I looked at it. It's it's a half a million just in lumber. That's right. Not even counting. That's right. Everything else. Uh, I know they spent fifteen thousand dollars just on water to huh. keep everybody hydrated oh while it was being built. Wow. Uh, I cannot remember the numbers that were involved. I know. Uh, that that the build crew was in that hundred range, mm-hmm. but I think the numbers were in that seven eight hundred wow. range for the entirety of the of the of the of the build of the structure. That means like the pre build and all the stuff, right. all the back work that's necessary to make this thing happen. An enormous amount of resources going into this pile of tinder that yes. gets set on fire. And, and, and you're right, very intricate. And we've talked about it previously, but for the new people, right. This the temple is sort of the really the low key true spiritual center point of Burning Man. It really has become the heart of it. You've got two giant structures. You've got the man, which yep. have, which gets all the sort of publicity. Yep. But then there's the temple. And the temple really is truly perhaps the most important quote-unquote secular house of worship that may exist at all in exactly. the world. I would agree. And it's burned down every single year. And the, you know, I've done recordings and walkthroughs of the temple, and I didn't do one this year. I figured people can listen to the previous episodes if they want to really kind of feel and hear exactly what it is. But the, I mean, there is true spiritual weight. Mm-hmm. happening inside of that building and you can't walk in especially you know a couple days in after people have come and left things of their dead loved ones hung wedding dresses from failed marriages 
left uh, dog collars of their dogs who have died. Pictures and photo Pictures, albums and the journals. The entire inside of this temple a few days in is completely plastered yeah. in the sorrow and the grief of 80,000 people plus, you yeah. know, whatever it is. And um, and there's, you know, there's a there's a common idea with sort of normal Christianity that like I don't know, a church or something is kind of a holy place and other buildings can't quite hold the sort of true spiritual weight that one can find in a cathedral or whatever right you know i mean this idea that there is um spiritual weight to things if you ever doubted that there can be a sort of secular center of spiritual gravity they need to walk into this temple. Absolutely. You almost can't. I don't. I've never done it. I don't think I've known anybody who can walk into that temple, walk around the inside perimeter, truly look and see what's going on on the walls, hanging from the ceiling, whatever, and not cry exactly. before leaving. Yep. It's it's almost impossible. Right. I think. I mean, unless you just don't pay attention. Well, I want to say something uh, with this temple thing, and I'll make it silly. You go into that temple, or you're around people that are crying because they lost their son, yeah. their 16-year-old son, and their psychiatrist told them to go there and put it on the temple. You go into this temple, and you see the sadness of these people, and, uh, and the real people that are going out for this, this means something to them. And as a Christian... I say, this is why I'm here. Yeah. To mm -hmm. seek those that are lost. Right. Right. And give them an answer to bring joy uh, into their heart. And me, you know. And so I, I got to say, it, it, you know, if you can go into that and stick your nose up at, at that kind of stuff, you don't have a heart. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you, Bob. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're pouring out their guts, they're pouring out their heart and their soul. And uh, I, I mean, all right. I, I don't know, Basil, your story. I know, I know a little bit about yours, Bob. Uh, my own has has a fair amount of death in my story, my, my, my with my family. And I walk in there and I empathize immediately. Oh yeah, and it just hits me. All of a sudden, you see a dog collar. That's every pet you've oh, ever owned. Oh my goodness! You see the wedding dress. That's every relationship yeah, you've yeah. ever had. You see the death notes for for the person's brother. Yeah. Uh, the the pictures of beautiful people who have just died that year from cancer. Some of them just weeks before. That's right. You know, right. you see on some pictures, they're like. You know, it's got the death date as like August 13th or something. Right, right. I was reading a suicide note that was placed there after the person had committed suicide uh, and his friend had, had, I guess, done the person a, a justice or an honor or something, however you want to look right. at it, by bringing the note there. And in the note, it even had, um, it, it was even expressed that I want my note here after the fact. Yeah. Like, Wow. Oh, and it's a good time to take a break. I'm also tearing up just <laughs> thinking about it. Jeez. Um, you know what? Hold up that one second. Yeah, I for sure. I gotta go to the bathroom. I'm gonna keep this recording. Just, let's see if I can finish before this song ends. Oh. <laughs> 
gonna. <laughs> the time of course, before it? before we get off, you've got to go through all the uh, things that the media and everybody was oh, saying. Oh my! Especially the human sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> That's so crazy, yeah. Bob. It is so crazy. Yeah. I know. I know. Oh, and now the Christian, how the Christians buy it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm hearing ministers out there that that are saying that every year they put a man in there. I'm thinking, well, why does law enforcement uh, get involved with this unless they're all in on it? Right? My goodness. <laughs> you and I both spent time with 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 with, with the man builders. Man. I have. Nobody's doing that. No, no. It, it's and, it's absolute insanity. Yeah. It demonstrates Christians. Um, how how do I put this? Our insatiable desire for the fantastical, right? And now and then to place some type of moral elevation on our fantastical opinions. I, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I'm just before we get started again. Is just that uh, there's enough sensational stuff happening in this world. Oh, absolutely. To to start making up stories of human sacrifices it's, it's, yeah it has become christian superstition yeah you talk about at burning man yeah, yeah everybody says yeah there's a man and you know they put bodies in there and people right. in there and all that nonsense i mean i've never been inside the structure who knows oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> the only reason i'm here is because i escaped when they threw me in right? <laughs> <laughs> well next time bob i'll push you harder yeah Okay, so we were talking about the temple. Um, yeah, very, again, it's a very powerful place to be. Right. Um, you know, whatever you may think of what is spiritually happening there, happening there, it is at least a hyper concentration of grief. Absolutely, and it is an honored space because of that. Very, it's a the sacred space yes. for the burners. That's yeah. right. And, and so the people we, we need to again. This goes back to our, our previous part of the conversation. It's that recognition of their humanity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just walking in there, I mean, you instantly feel uh more connected as a brother of adam mm -hmm. i might say mm -hmm. uh to everybody there and i think it is a big part of what um what kind of bonds the burner community together Bingo. i don't i don't think it would be such a center for seekers center for spiritually minded folks uh center for people looking for answers looking for healing looking for anything if the temple had not been such a core or it had not become such a core part of burning man absolutely no i'd agree with you in fact to some extent the it has replaced the importance of the man the man doesn't seem that important really no, anymore no, no exactly now it is the temple uh, and is the sense of community that, that has been built within the city. And the man is just nothing more than the anchor that holds it together. Right. That seems to be what it is at this point. Right. It's um, the branding. It's the branding. The, That's right. The man is the branding, but right. the temple is really why people come. Exactly. Yeah. So this year, uh, Brian brought some, he, he does blacksmithing. Yeah. So Brian brought some crosses and we oh. hung up one cross in, in the temple. We put a box around it, drew a box around it, and then in quotation marks, put down, he wept. Uh. And we did that in one spot and then we did it in another spot where uh, we, we drew a cross. We didn't 
Brian didn't have a second one on him at that time. So we drew a cross. We did the same thing, put a, a box around it, and then the quotation marks, he wept. And somebody come along and put down underneath it, so did I. Mm. And so interesting how you, you're going to see it. We put it in places where people would see it. Right. Um, and that was just a, one little itty-bitty tidbit of, hey, this is, hey, there's, there's, there's a Christian witness here. Well, it, and interestingly enough, that might be a better articulation of what I was trying to say earlier. Mm. Walking inside the temple for me, I think, brings me as close as I can humanly be to the feeling behind Christ's sorrow for us. You know, you feel suddenly overwhelmed with the sorrow that can come with being a human. Right. It's a seven day, 24 hour funeral. Yeah. Yeah. And funeral barely even touches it, touches it. I mean, no, I've exactly. been to plenty of funerals. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and, maybe and it's, it might be like 10,000 funerals all happening at once. Might right. Be kind of the thing. That, that's a good way of looking at it. And, and they have temple guardians because people are breaking down and people and, are losing it right there. Oh I've yeah. Watched it happen. Uh, I actually, over, over the years we've intervened a little bit with some of that. Yeah. Actually right now, Gons would be a good place to play that file uh, of, I brought the recorder and had it going. Oh, perfect. Just, just for some ambience yeah and then just the most sorrowful sound i'd ever heard somebody just losing it mm. and then i lost it and i'm like <laughs> i'm yeah. like gonna lose it right now just thinking about it like you don't living your life if you if you've heard someone lose it like that you are probably you know later on in life yep. you know had some That's time right. for horrible things to happen yep or or you know had a very sad situation early on i mean right. it is really hard to listen to guardian yes you know, quick thing i'll say here is my wife worked with a temple guardian when we were in bishop california and she started coming over and she was a hurting lady mm -hmm. i mean hurting and that temple she looked forward to it all year to throw her uh sorrows upon this temple and of course you know we're trying to share christ that it's christ that yeah. we do that too right, right. and she, uh we touched her because we uh, as far as you know uh talking with her and she came with her temple um um you know artifacts and she gave me these sacred artifacts of of uh, years of being a temple guardian huh. right and so i received them 
you know, I, I, you know, and so I don't want nothing like that. No, I received them, right. and and so the door was open, mm-hmm. and we shared. And who I don't know where it's going to go, but yeah, that was a temple garden. Well, that's a very meaningful thing for her, right? For you to receive that. It was, yeah, it yeah. meant a lot to her. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and that shows. I mean, that she she's a good example of people who are living these sort of re-enchanted lives or living these mythological lives they may claim to be an atheist or something and yet they hold on to these magical objects that are Mm -hmm. very important to them um and it is you know it gives them the sense of purpose as important or more important than you know a, a a person working at a church like what what their position might be to them mm-hmm. or whatever any cross hanging in a church these objects are hold incredible amounts of power in these people's lives mm-hmm. um, and I think we see that reflected across the world in the way that spiritual but not religious is now the sort of national religion or the planetary religion kind of you <laughs> yes know? yes it's it's very interesting to watch so after the temple after uh after the, the the big windstorms hit the temple that night that was monday night uh tuesday we had lots of storms uh lots of squalls wind squalls that swept through uh, we knew the temperature was going to be changing. The weather was going to be changing. We already were warned about it or, or were notified that there were some changes happening. The next couple of days, however, were beautiful days. My goodness. Very, very comfortable on the playa, which is so unusual. And I took absolute advantage of, of gorgeous, gorgeous weather. Yeah. And then, of course, Friday, Friday afternoon, actually Friday afternoon, Brian, Audrey, and I were hearing uh, Grover Norquist, who's a Republican insider, give a a, a, a talk at uh, Camp Soft Landing. Oh, really? Yeah. And then as the rain was starting to come down, and that's across the city from us, because we were at 530 and H, and they were located, I think, at 845 and F. Um, we were like, we, we wanted to talk with them afterwards, because it was a fascinating talk. Fascinating. And we were really hoping to have a discussion with them. So and, Republican... Oh, Grover Norquist, an interesting guy. He's been coming to the burn for quite a few years. Okay. Uh, hold his, uh, yeah, actually. We, I had a bone to pick with him. I yeah. couldn't catch him afterward. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. You were at one with me in 2017 when he yeah. was giving a talk. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and his, his perspective is he's a libertarian, has been a burner for a while. Um, and he had a really interesting, really interesting uh, lecture that afternoon. Uh, libertarian paradise yeah yes and boy and this is something that comes through with the, with the social surveys that I did and I, we're not going to get into it right now but but we will get into it yeah, I thought the responses the emergency responses and stuff were right, kind of interesting right. but, in but there is there is a real it's an eclectic group of both libertarians and those who hold to forms of communitarian collectivist ways of thinking yeah. so you've got this collision point between these two major perspectives and so anyways Norquist has done his talk we were hoping to have a conversation with him after but it was starting to rain we knew we had to get across the city because the way the rain was coming down we knew that that we weren't going to be you had to get stuck forever we weren't going to be stuck yeah we were and we got halfway across the playa and the rain was coming down hard we're like 
stink. We were pushing it as hard as we possibly could. And of course, our bicycle tires were mounting up deeper and deeper and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, we couldn't move forward anymore with our bicycles. We couldn't push them forward. You would stop. You would bang, bang, bang on your bike tires. You'd back it up, move it forward a few feet. Cemented. Do it again, over again, over and Your over and over again get... until we finally got back to our camp. And Absolutely we were, cemented. We oh, you actually got them home. Oh, we did, but it I was a battle. I had to ditch mine. Oh, oh, there was bicycles ditched everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. So we got them back. We got them back, but it was a ton of work. Yeah. We were exhausted. Um, and then, of course, that's Friday afternoon. And because I hadn't really had much sleep for like three weeks... I went to bed at 4.30. I missed the double rainbow. <laughs> yeah, oh, I had yeah. A, I had a I nap until rainbow. 6 o'clock, and then 6 o'clock I woke up and I went, what's the point? I'm going to go back to bed. And I slept right till 6.30, Saturday morning at 6.30 I was up. And then from 6.30 till after 12, I walked all the way through the playa. I walked past the temple. I did deep, deep playa. And I don't know how many miles I put on in that space of time but with 20 pound boots my legs were burning but i took crazy pictures yeah you know i just showed you yeah. one a few minutes ago absolutely for the, for the temple and the reflections amazing chapter nine the man burn raw audio Monday night and the burn is officially back on. The playa has for the most part dried out and everybody has gathered. Those who are left have gathered around the man and the circle of our cars has begun. There's fire. You can tell there's about a hundred different songs playing all at the same time which creates sort of a, uh, I don't know, a king's cup if anybody remembers high school. A king's cup of madness. Very cool, very stimulating, honestly a little bit overstimulating. All of the themes and the ideas that have been presented over the week are present. There's some classic art cars, uh, but it's sort of the culmination, the seal, if you will, uh, to circle around the man and uh, uh, surround the man with the ideologies of the week uh, to finish the spell. Okay, as we speak, the man is burning. The moment has arrived. There's about one-third the amount of people, as you'd expect, and uh, it's actually rather nice compared to previous uh, burning men. The man has burned, the man has fallen, and the beats go on. I kind of wish that they didn't, and uh, people think I'm a cop talking into the recorder. I'm getting lots of interesting looks. Apparently, it's a crime around here to do a podcast while you speak. Oh, there's a group hug going on, and um, 
yeah, I don't know what else to say. However, there is definitely a sense, there's almost a confusion going on. The people can't figure out if they want to dance. They cannot figure out if they want to mourn. The music, as you can hear, is absolutely outrageous. However, the majority of the people are standing absolutely still and just staring. This is different from previous Burning Men, where we have seen uh, just an absolute raucous party bust out the second this happens. It seems like uh, this has a little bit of extra weight for people. Perhaps it is the discomfort that they had to bear for this moment. Uh, perhaps it is uh, simply they're so tired. They're so, so tired that there is not much will left to party. Uh, whatever the case is, it's very interesting, uh, especially compared to previous Burning Men. And I'll be interested to see if I can talk to some people. Uh, it's not the easiest thing to do when they're having a special moment. The fire is now probably the biggest fire I've ever seen, reaching about 75 feet in the air, maybe 100. Who knows? It's really far away. Uh, but I'll keep you posted if anything else happens. Okay. Oh, one note, the man uh, structure, the structure that the man is built upon and the structure around the man is reminiscent of a beehive. Uh, it's got uh, honeycomb-like structures going up about 25 feet. Uh, it's yellow, lots of bee motifs going on, uh, which is interesting. Uh, in the context of the hive mind and the hive, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the hive mind and the hive being represented in Animalia. And so, uh, essentially, each person here at Burning Man is a member of the hive that will now go out and pollinate the rest of the world with the ideas and ideologies that were presented here. Chapter 10, The Media Psyop. The way the mud would stick to your boots, my legs hurt in places I didn't know existed. Right. Muscles absolutely shot that I didn't even know were there. Right. Just like literal 20 pound weights on your legs, no hope of rescue and you weren't going to be running from anything there know? was no not, running at all. it was absolute i mean let's talk about some of the coverage i mean <laughs> i had gone i by the way the wi-fi situation was horrible my yeah. personal story i had a neighbor i was gonna bring my starlink okay. i got starlink specifically for this oh sweet two days before i was testing my starlink doesn't work I open a support ticket. They say, yeah, it's bad product. We'll send you a new one. Oh. We understand that this is very important and we're rushing it and it'll be there in six days. So I didn't have my personal uh, internet that I wanted to send out all my reports so we could do some live stuff. Wasn't going to happen. My neighbor had a Starlink. He let me on it. I gave him some tacos. He let me on his Starlink. That's awesome. I got out one report. It was awesome. It was right after the rains where 
people were starting to kind of freak out a little bit right and it was starting to get kind of actually i was calling it pre-apocalyptic mm -hmm. there was sort of a pre-apocalyptic feeling there was where people were kind of like okay how gnarly is this gonna get right especially if you consider the fact that there was some talk that we would have the same amount of rain on sunday as we did on friday and saturday and the potential for rain also on monday and we knew that if we had rain into monday then there would actually be serious issues then the porta potties would be overflowing. Yeah. There weren't. There were. I think there may have been a couple. Maybe there were some or some, something. But most of them were just right to the top. Uh, we knew then that if it would continue on beyond Monday or Tuesday, we would all be stuck for a full week. Yeah. We probably would have had the water and the food we needed because we all overprepared. Everybody was talking about FEMA was coming to oh, drop there was in such the crazy, crazy Ebola, rumors. the uh, this uh, and the some, that. Yeah, in fact, I, I, today on my on my Facebook page, I, I put a little blurb up. I said it's been a day and a half since emerging from Burning Man, and I've gone through posts and messages and videos on the event, and my goodness, now I understand why folks were especially concerned for us. Apparently, we had an outbreak of Ebola. An unknown disease causing everyone to vomit blood. A condition causing horrible skin boils. Sinkholes. FEMA setting up a quarantine fence around the event. Hint, there's already a nine-mile trash fence around the site. The National Guard poised along the desert edge, waiting to, be, wait, waiting to advance. The emergence of ancient playa shrimp arising from the muck. <laughs> yeah. And more. Yeah. And more. Cannibalism. And of course, there cannibalism. cannibalism. I forgot. Yes, I should have added cannibalism. <laughs> And, of course, all of this is incorrect and, and hyper-sensational and overblown and false. And that was what really got me on the psychological operation train. Mm. Because the way that it was being talked about in the media, a lot of it was not stipulating that these were rumors or that these were blah, 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 or that these they were being reported as fact. Right. And and more, honestly, and more, and it was really incredible, and like I, it, it kind of had some parallels with some COVID era stuff that you'd see, where the experience on the ground was not the experience being reported, right? And if we think more broadly, so you know, consider Burning Man as sort of a, a petri dish for all sorts of things. I think emergency response is is perhaps one of those things. If yeah, we're talking about social engineering. There's a little bit of stuff going on. There. Yeah, yeah, I know there is. If we're talking about social engineering, if we're talking about whatever, all these things. Uh, the reporting about Burning Man having the mismatch from the experience on the ground was such a wake up and it had to and it paralleled covid so well and we kind of understood it during covid but really here it was quite the wake up for me because i'm like how many things are being reported in mainstream legacy news outlets not just your crazy blogs not just your natural news not just your whatever but you know wall street journal washington post wired like the real Kind of have the war of the world effects from the old radio broadcast where people went out and shot their water tower full of holes yeah. because they were told that the invade, invading army was coming. And I've always known it. I mean, it's my job. My whole job is based on the fact that I know 
that every everything in the legacy media is at the very least broadcasted with a larger purpose Mm -hmm. at the very least whether what they're saying is true or not is uh, you know is is perpetrating an agenda somebody's whether it's you know whatever call them whatever you want the elites the lizard people the blah 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 <laughs> or simply or simply the highest bidder you know right, whoever's right. paying the bills the, right. the advertisers really right clickbait yeah whatever it's it is clickbait. it could be anything right but it just dawned on me so i physically felt the sensation of oh this is everything everything is at least at the very best ambiguously true or false mm-hmm. you know you might never know and it might never matter but the world view that is being projected onto the mass population is or could be entirely fictional right entirely fictional or at least fictional enough to be mad about it right that you literally cannot trust anything it says right and and then it demonstrated the incredible gullibility of non-thinking people everyone and you think about and again start at burning man expand globally yes what else is going on we're getting you know the war in ukraine the maui fires the everything that has ever happened that gives me something to talk about on the internet (laughs) you know my job is to spot the illusions right and now you're right in the middle of one and i'm right smack dab in the middle of one of the sort of grandest illusions right and international international and i'm thinking to myself for what why yeah what is the purpose of this grand illusion being sort of broadcasted out about what is essentially amounted to yeah like pretty muddy pretty annoying we got our tents wet yeah you were in an rv people are wet i was in a tent whipsy do <laughs> people got stuck some people panicked some people tried to get through the gate yeah. you got stuck i mean but the panic was real with some people. Oh, I know it was. Yeah. I know. I watched uh, Brian, Audrey, and I on Saturday night went out to gate, and we watched the people trying to get through and slipping and sliding and getting stuck. Uh, we were out there with DPW. DPW was yelling at them, go fast, don't slow down, right. because they knew that they had to be committed. Right. Otherwise, your car is sunk. Yeah, and it's done stuck. right there. And we had RVs stuck. We had trucks stuck. Everything was stuck. for days. Too. Yeah, they were stuck yeah. for days. So I mean, people went crazy. I not a lot, but some enough to yeah. make it definitely an interesting event. They I mean, really we watched did. it. You, you saw people, and I think it was the people who had internet who were seeing the headlines. Right, were the ones panicking the most, like my neighbor, because what was very sad about my neighbor nice guy letting me use his internet i thought finally my whole project is saved because my neighbor has internet on the day after the rainstorms he tears off in his rv and uh, took away my internet but and there was also people who had international flights yeah that they didn't want to lose that right you know there's stuff like that there's, there's stuff it. going on but you could see now i was on the outskirts 
And I'm wondering if you saw any of this. I was on the outskirts uh, of the the free camping area, yeah. And then I think it was the night of the big rainstorm after that first big one. Uh, everybody's talking about FEMA camps. I'm walking around. I'm everybody's freaking out. People are tearing down the mud just like in their cars trying yep. to escape stuff starting to feel really weird yeah people I, getting stuck in the middle of the street yeah stuff is getting real weird real wacko and i go i go back to my camp and off in the distance i see some like cop lights going on i'm like oh okay that's weird somebody's doing something i look away i look back and they are right there it was about a half a dozen uh fresh off the lot Freshly painted uh, police UTVs, off-road vehicles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just tearing it up in the mud. They cruise past the, the flag fence. They enter Burning Man. All their lights completely lit up. Mm-hmm. And the one in the rear had spotlights, two you know, five billion lumen spotlights on the left, on the right, on the front, and the back, just absolute making a show i have no oh, yeah i have no idea why i, I, I watched them do something that. very similar to Esplanade. and they just tore around i climbed up on an rv and i watched them yep and they were t- 20 miles an hour like really fast yes because it's supposed to be five miles zone. five mile zone you're not allowed to drive fast these guys were tearing up the streets yep. in this new squadron of pol- freshly painted police utvs and I sat there and I just watched them. I'm like, uh-oh, something must be happening. Right. What's going on? I would, crime, go fight crime. Right, right. Something bad's actually There happened. was no crime. Earlier today, probably around 7 o'clock in the evening, uh, this is on Sunday night, there was a line of four or five completely lit up uh, police side-by-sides utvs off-road uh, little dune buggy guys but completely lit up lights blaring no sirens and one of them even had a rack of spotlights facing in every direction just to kind of blast everybody's retinas as it drives by very strange i'm a little uh curious about what the purpose of that is besides just making a statement perhaps some sort of facial recognition camera behind the spotlights i don't know but since then they have just been cruising just absolutely cruising down each street patrolling the streets uh, going significantly faster than uh, the five mile an hour speed limit they don't seem to be making any stops or i don't know any sort of blatant activity they're just cruising very fast uh lights blaring the whole time uh now it was earlier announced on the black rock city radio that uh, law enforcement would be showing up they're not here to apprehend anybody and uh, don't worry hippies the cops are not here to bust you from marijuana or something i mean it's i'm making a funny voice but it's black rock city radio come on that's what they sound like um and uh yeah so they continue to just roll on through i'm going to be asking around listening to the announcements seeing what i can find as far as what kinds of activity uh, the police will be uh performing here uh the sort of 
implication given by the official announcements is that they're just here to generally help uh, keep the peace and uh, make sure people are cared for and served and protected uh, given the sort of emergency circumstances that we found ourselves in. Uh, I will see if I can gather any more information. It does give a rather strange vibe to the whole thing. I mean, Burning Man is already kind of a really, really strange post-apocalyptic uh, city where survival is um, not guaranteed. And now to see fresh, like fresh off the assembly line, freshly painted uh, police off-road vehicles just patrolling the streets with bright lights gives it, oh my goodness, just an even more apocalyptic feel. We've moved sort of past the timeline of the immediate uh, danger of the apocalypse and into, you know, in some sort of... Uh, fascist dictatorship or somebody named the duke comes in and uh, becomes or you know takes control and uh, uses law enforcement as you know some some uh, some arm of the state that is uh, heavy-handed and particular um, which I guess that is not too far off from the actual world that we live in they were just ripping down the street. They'd go all the way to the end, turn around, rip down the street. It was just like this fear campaign almost yeah. to give everybody the feeling that there was a serious situation going on. I saw something similar on, on Esplanade. I was uh, somewhere between the man and center camp and watched uh, three, three of those units whipping through, lights on, flying mud everywhere uh and there was there were people walking around and, and and i'm like dude dangerous you you're gonna lose control this is slippery this is really not easy to drive in uh and then they were all you know you can see I, i'm an off-roader okay I'm, yeah. I'm out in the country i grew up on dirt bikes and quads and whatever and I, i'm watching i'm going well you guys are you're handling yourselves but you can screw this up pretty darn fast. They're having so, fun, but it just takes one person. And you're going to smoke somebody. Yeah. You're going to you as the police are going to create an incident. You're going to kill somebody. Yeah. And they are just flying. And then I'm watching them, and after maybe three or four blocks, the lights are off, and and they just pulled over and it's, so it's like whatever. I'm like, are are you kidding me? It's like. It, it, it reminds me of, of, and I have actually personally seen this. This is crazy. Uh, I used to work highway department. I've watched the police whipping through with the lights on and the sirens on, and then they turn them off and go into the coffee shop and walk there <laughs> casually for a donut. I'm like, are you yeah, kidding me? Right. And it had that same feel. Yeah. And it was so interesting, too. Again, this pre-apocalyptic feel. Then these futuristic patrol police come cruising in. <laughs> And you at know, least the Chinook helicopters weren't circling. They were the night before. <laughs> yeah, well, I and saw. I know, and I know, I know a little bit of the backstory of why they do that every year. Oh, I didn't know they did it every year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well the military saw, is there. I saw some black helicopter cruising yeah. one day. I'm like, that's weird. Is that Elon? What, did, what am I looking at here? So the military just has a presence or something? Oh, yeah, they there? do. Absolutely. Yeah. The intelligence yeah. community, too. Oh, there's 
for sure real ops going oh, on. There are. Yeah. 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 It was, Anyways. I mean, if you, I'd like to know whatever you know about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's some stuff I have to get verified, but yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's some pretty interesting things. Time for some uh, Freedom of Information Act requests. For sure. Yeah. I, absolutely. And, uh, you know, another part that, that kept ringing that PSYOP bell for me was hey everybody okay we're very we planned for this we have very good emergency protocols we're acting i was listening to the radio yep. you know uh bmir right yep bmir okay. if you feel like passing the time come find me at 12 in esplanade where i'll be generally grumpy and complaining a bunch X-rated Yoda is here to tell you these messages. We need to count on one another and patient we must be to create safe conditions for the departure. Listen, we do not currently have an estimated time for the roads to be dry enough for the Jedi RVs and vehicles from the Republic to navigate safely. Late in the day Monday would be possible if weather conditions are in our favor. It could be sooner. Stay tuned for BMIR FM for up-to-the-minute information that you will have. We will be opening for Exodus on Monday morning, September 4. We will inform the community as soon as we make the decision by 9 a.m. Please stay off of Gate Road. Rain and mud will make it impassable at the moment. We have created alternative routes. If you exit on Monday, you will be flagged to the best area to drive across. Ladies and gentlemen, event operations are functional and responding to evolving conditions. Our communication systems are up and running, as are our power grids. Sanitation trucks are moving through the city, ensuring portable toilets are functioning and clean. So, no rush to get out of here yet. Yeah, I hear uh, the they're doing, you know, where we've got the 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 uh, these protocols. We're so proud of the org. You know, it's kind of showing <laughs> off yeah. how well organized they are. Yeah. We're so proud of them. They're ready for this. We're wheeling out some free Wi-Fi in these locations. We're bringing in some cell towers so you can change your plans or whatever. And I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. Wonderful. Let's do this. And I go to each of the Wi-Fi locations, each of the cell towers, could not, absolutely could not get anything through. The, <laughs> I know, I the know. cell towers, absolutely zero data could yep. go through it. Yep. It was like just enough to make you feel like something was happening, but completely useless. Now, I, I don't know, Basil, if you know this or not, but the man sitting between you and me, Bob, yeah. has insights regarding cell towers yeah oh you got some insights here we go yeah i want to say one thing that usually people don't know about it i was one of the first ones to train uh in the los angeles area on cellular telephone and trunking systems and when we were being trained uh it had the first cell towers and what had 666 cells on it Uh and within about a month or two they put it up to like 670 or 680 or something right so you have these uh cell towers like uh that will only take you know less than 700 calls and you got fifty thousand people it's nothing it's not going to work well 
Last year, they'd put a new cell tower in in Gerlach so we could get through from Gerlach, and then out on the playa we could get through uh, off and on, yeah. right? So you're looking at maybe 1,400 channels that you might be able to get through. But now you've got what to call the backhaul. You got to get that information back, you know, uh, to the network. And so there's a microwave system, and I happen to know the guy that owns it. And uh, so that has so much bandwidth, right? And if they're trying to put it up through satellite, uh, not only do you need bandwidth, but if it's overcast, can affect it. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of things going on there. Right. The Burning Man used to bring in stingrays, which, yeah, and and have two stingrays there, and that helped. Yeah, you know. Uh, so yeah, and then at one point there was uh, an, there were only analog uh, cell towers that were up there on the mountains, and uh, so the data type of stuff was it. Nothing. You know, yeah. going to make it through. And uh, so, anyways, that's kind of the backstory there. And probably, you know, if you want to get out communications wise, you know, if you can make it through the cloud, I think what you were talking about with Elon or Elon Musk right. deal would work. Yeah, but the Starlink if, stuff. If it got too overcast, though, that's off. It was, it was just so interesting that the good PR of the burning man organization was like oh we got you don't worry we are so prepared and each response that they rolled out was the most useless impotent display of uh i can't call it anything else but just psychological warfare and, and, just, and then the res one response they could do nothing about was the fact that you had incredible ruts everywhere <laughs> and all your streets were rutted and then because we all have 20 pounds of mud on our feet right as we're all walking along the sides of the ruts yeah we are building inevitably sidewalks right of lumpy eight inches to a foot high lumps everywhere we're going so we have the, the streets have these deep cut ruts everywhere with vehicles stuck in them yeah and then the the sides of each street have become these like like these berms built up by our feet yeah because we're clumping mud in and then and we were here yesterday at Bob's place watching a couple of videos uh, one of them showed the one of the porta potties being overflowed and it wasn't the toilet was down and the floor of the porta potty all looks brown but that's mud. Yeah. It's eight inches of mud right. built up on the floor because yeah. everybody walking in is tramping in 20 pounds of mud. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was really, I mean, a serious, in a way, it was a continuation of the survival situation right. that is Burning Man. Absolutely. But yeah, it was a very interesting to see that unfold. Chapter 11. Bob the Burn Evangelist. Yeah. Anyways, I've talked too much, Bob. No. You need uh, to take over. <laughs> now, no. yeah, Bob, let's, let's introduce you. So, okay. you're Bob Worley. Who are you? Well, uh, I was a, a, a young kid when uh, my mother and father separated, and there's a reason I'm saying that. 
is that I ended up moving into a gang area, and I was just a little um, pudgy, uh, nerdy kid. And so what happened was that I had to start fighting Mm -hmm. to, you know, make it home sometimes. And I let my uh, ego get the best of me and grew out my hair long back in 1969. Mm -hmm. And one of my brothers was a hippie and the other one was, uh, I would say, somewhat of a hippie, but he was a working guy. And uh, so... I couldn't see that there was any purpose to life at all. My brother and his wife got divorced, and everybody, my sister got divorced. I mean, everybody, it, just nothing really made any sense. So I went out the deep end, and I was, by the time I was, I went to continuation high school, thug high, cut a lot of school. I went enough to pass, but I'm actually bringing you through a real quick overview of this. By 18, uh, I had, uh, you know, went through the LSD experience and the magic mushrooms and uh, drugs A to Z. And so when I was 18, I was joining a 1% bike club and I got kind of beat up and kicked out of it because they said I was too crazy. I guess we had a <laughs> too much window pane and I went nuts, went to fight <laughs> cops. So I got in jail and they put me in the gang tank with half Hispanic gang members and half bikers and uh, and it was a blessing because one of the bikers knew me and knew my brother. So it was, uh, you know, I didn't get beat up or anything weird. And I realized, you know, I'm going to... Uh, I don't want to be in prison, but I can play guitar, so I'm going to be a rock musician, Hmm. right? I'm going to change my path. And so uh, by 22 years old, I had ruined my life. I, you know, was was into heroin and other drugs and that type of thing. And uh, so I know the culture through and through, and I'm in the L.A. area, right? So it's a happening thing. And uh, knew some rock stars and played with a few, and uh, I realized that there was. You know, I went to went to work to get some money for my studio time, and there were these Christians there, and they shared with me. They didn't preach at me. They shared with me, and I started realizing that they're the only ones that cared about me out of all my friends. Mm. So, to make a long story short, I'm flat on my back, high, and I look up and. Uh, and I said, Lord, come into my life, unconditional surrender. I've ruined my life. And so I ended up uh, being transformed and, and, you know, the sanctification started. And so I ended up meeting my wife, uh, Mary, and I said, I'm gonna have to learn how to, you know, take care of her. And so I got into a career. But nothing really leaves that experience. I might have cut my hair and, and gained some weight at the time and, and, and looked like a, a you know pudgy white boy or something like that. <laughs> but I used that to my advantage and I had really a heart to uh, evangelize, to go out and talk to people. And I mean actually conversations and talk. So by the time, I'll go all the way up to 2017, and I met Carl. 
you know, Carl was the guy that didn't do any of this stuff. I'm the guy that did all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was the perfect match. You know, nobody could say, you know, oh, don't knock it till you try it or anything like that. No, I, I can go toe to toe with anybody at Burning Man. Yeah, right. And I had the, and I'll give you a quick story and then I'll get get to the Burning Man part. But uh, I was out at uh, camping outside of Burning Man. Uh, we had a camp right off the road and we had a big sign and we put these Israeli flags up that drew, I knew if I put a Christian flag up, <laughs> nobody would stop. Uh, I put these Israeli flags up, everybody, I mean, I should say, a lot of people were stopping. We gave free ice water, we helped people with their cars, and the uh, Birdie Band management wanted me gone, so they called the sheriffs on me. Sheriffs came out, and uh, one of them was a Christian, and he said, how can you go out on that playa with all those disgusting people? How huh. can you, be, as a Christian, be here, right? And I said, officer, all due respect, go back to Reno and go to church, Cross, uh, dot your I's and cross your T's. But for me, I'm gonna go into all the world. These people is like where Paul went to in Acts 17. Now they might, some of them might be naked and painted purple, right? But I've done a lot worse. No, let's hold on one second while this finishes up. <laughs> okay. I know it's... Uh... Actually, I love this song. He's a huge Sound of Music fan. Yep, that's... Uh, it might confuse uh, confuse the robots that are editing this show. Okay. Just kidding. It's Gons. <laughs> he's my... Gons is the robot. He's the robot. He's been an AI this entire time. Yes. Okay. So I, I told this uh, sheriff's deputy to go back to Reno, go to church, dot your eyes across your teeth. But for me... I'm going to go out into the world and share the gospel that saves sinners. And they might be naked, they might be painted purple, but I have done a lot worse. Yeah. And that cop, it floored him, and he says, oh, wow, you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, he kind of repented there, right? Yeah. So meeting Carl, uh, having a good partner, and we're different, and so forth, that we can go out to Burning Man, and uh you know what things i do know he doesn't know and a lot of things he knows that i don't know and we're able to share now i want to give one experience and then i'll get give the bike no uh, back to you if you're a christian and and uh you're condemning the darkness right basically darkness is the absence of light if we have the light of the world in us we can walk in 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 that darkness please but i'll tell you one experience and i've had many where a uh, a duly wed couple young people were at burning man and i was sitting next to them at a camp and some uh person came in and started trying to talk them into having uh, a threesome i'll just say it no. right <laughs> and I, he's trying to convince them. No, they're not going for this, but they were too nice not to just say no, and he kept trying to convince them. So I stepped in. I said, you two, if you did that, uh, you would destroy your marriage. So if you listen to him, you're going to destroy your marriage. But if you, uh, you know, look at your uh, uh, marriage 
as put together by God, right, said, you will have a great marriage, mm. right? And so this guy got up and he, he ran off and got upset at me. And I got to witness to these two people, mm. right? And I've seen, I've gotten people out of trouble at Burning Man, yeah. right? We're Christians, yeah, right? We're supposed, we got the words of eternal life. And so uh, I'll let Carl uh, or you get back to the yeah. interview here. But I, I do want to say it takes different gifts that people have. And I don't get intimidated by the worst things they do out there. Well, I would like to stick with that, actually, because, you know, like we've mentioned here, lots of people, the people who uh, don't get all grumpy when we mention Burning Man, they, uh, you know, are excited to hear about any sort of evangelism going on out there. And I think it was my first year in 2018, I came back and gave a report and uh, it was filled with, you know, stories about interactions with people. But there was uh, some more grumpy Christians that they didn't hear me say that all of these people didn't get led through the sinner's prayer in sort of the traditional getting saved sort of way. Right. Not that, you know, not that there's anything wrong with the sinner's prayer. It was been effective for a lot of people, but the evangelism that you do out at Burning Man, whether it's inside Burning Man or outside Burning Man, looks a little different from the evangelism that you learn, you know, when you're at YWAM camp or right. something, right. something like that, right? And I mean, I I I want people to hear a little bit about what you do out there, because what we have here is a very cool situation where on the inside, some very important research, very important interactions, very important data uh, that has given so many people, including myself, some insight into what's going on in the world today and where it's going and has been incredibly accurate in that regard. But also, you got a man on the outside who is working doing more kingdom work yes you know so tell me a little bit about what it was like this year and what kind of things you got up to well, and uh what what i'll say is this and i, I do want to start off with a, uh, a scripture here and that's going to be end up being first corinthians 5 12 through 13 where we're ordered to say for what have i to do with judging the outsiders of the body of Christ. Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked men from among yourselves. And why I'm bringing that up is like uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Walter Martin would say, is that do you kick uh, or hit a blind man because he bumps into you or, or you know touches you with his cane and no right if we really be the, believe the bible these people are spiritually blind and the and because we all enter this world with the wrath of god on us 
Uh, we find that in John 3.36. That's why you got to be born again. But the point is that when I go out there, I don't, you know, I'll go up to Hell's Angels. I've introduced my son at 10 years old to Hell's Angels, you know. So uh, that's my, my, my verse there, to go out and not judge them. Uh, now, we are to judge evil things, but I'm going to get to the point here about sharing the gospel is that with me, I had Christians who shared with me who showed love. And they weren't pounding me in the ground. And I'm not saying there's a, there is a right time for the bullhorn and and things like that. But for me, I'm going to go out like the Apostle Paul did in Acts 17. And I'm going to have a discussion using their poets even, right, to communicate with these people. Now, the one thing is that when you look at like John 15, uh, 16, and 17, Jesus says he chose them, the disciples. They did not choose, uh, they didn't choose them, but he chose them. And it goes on to say, to produce good fruit, right? And so when I go out there, these people, they catch it. They know I'm not out there to, uh, to you know, get a gotcha on them or something. So what do we do? We help them fix their cars. We help get water to them. We give them rides when they break down, right? And it's in action that we're doing this. But the gospel is always front and center as we lead in and get to know who they are and then they see who we are. Yeah, one thing that comes to mind that changed the way that I operated in the world and interpersonally with people is when someone told me that love, whether it's uh, you know any kind of love, whether it's uh, romantic or friendship or brotherly or gospel-centered love, is actually a verb. You know, in a, in a, at least the English language, we just have love, and it just kind of most people think of it as a feeling you have or affinity that you feel for someone. But to love someone is actually a verb. To love them, to do the things that show love to somebody. And in an evangelistic sense, what you're doing is really loving people. I mean, you are stationed outside of Burning Man this year. You are outside of Burning Man where there must just be a constant sort of stream, maybe not bumper to bumper, but, you know, people coming in and out of Burning Man all day long, coming through Gerlach or wherever you're stationed. And if it's anything like when I left Burning Man this year, there was just dozens of vehicles broken down on the way out. Uh, and each one of them was in need of something, I'm sure. You bet. And well, God bless you for going and showing them that love because I was too tired and too hot and I was not ready to get on the ground and start fixing burner tires that's for sure so tell us a little bit about what that looks like on the ground for you okay. during your ministry this year uh this year there's been a number i brought burners home that their cars broke down driven them home picked them up i picked them up i we had a christian that used to have a tow truck here and we'd tow them in and the christian was a mechanic and he'd 
I'd buy the parts and he'd fix it for free. Wow. And, uh, and of course, they were trapped in my house, right? I, <laughs> they can't get out, right. you know? And, you know, we feed people and, and we're kind to people. And uh, again, this is not like, well, we're going to become your best friend. But it leads up to what the gospel is. Now, we have a methodology that I do. And, and, and uh, Carl's is maybe... Uh, a little different. I'm kind of more of a fundamentalist type guy, but he taught me about oneism and twoism, and I would like Carl to tell you that when when we get when he gets on the mic. But uh, we went. We found a bus that had come from Seattle, mm-hmm. and it had broken down, and this battery was dead. So I get my jumper cables out, and it took about thirty minutes to charge it up, and uh, he had. It was a diesel, so he needed a pump. I didn't have one. Next time I will have one. But somebody, we flagged down somebody that was going to the burn, and they got a bicycle pump out and gave it to them. And I started talking to them. I said, uh, told them, this is your first time. Watch out for certain things at Burning Man. And I said, here's my phone number. And if you get in trouble, call me. And I did it with people on the bus. I did it with other people, right? And uh, so I shared the gospel with them and, uh, in a way they could understand it. And I gave them, uh, we have a big money track from Ray Comfort, the chlorination, uh, King chlorination track from Ray Comfort. And we have little pennies that have the Ten Commandments. Mm. And we go through a few of them with them. Well, these people were really receptive. They break down 44 miles south of us. Hmm. They had an estimate from a tow truck company, $800. Hmm. And I said, they called me, and I said, number one, you can stay with me, but I'll get your car towed. And so I found a tow truck driver that had a better price that ended up knowing a mechanic, and they ended up gonna fix it for real inexpensive and they're not going to be paying 800 bucks. Oh, so this was after Burning At, Man. They after called you. Burning Man. Oh. We, before Burning Man, they were going to it. Right. After they break down. And so they called me up, and they kept thanking me. And thanking me, if it wasn't for you, this wouldn't have happened. If it wasn't for you, this wouldn't happen. And uh, I said, you know what? Uh, I uh, That's what I'm here for. If you come back through, stop in, stay a night with me. And uh, I said, well, we'd like to do an interview. And they said, when we get back to Se- Seattle, rest it up, we'll give you a call. And they gave me their phone number, of course. Great. And uh, they were, it was unbelievable to them. Hmm. So you have this action, like you said, as a verb, mm-hmm. right? You're sharing the gospel in a way, right, that they can understand. Because we're in a society that you say, Jesus died for your sins. In our society today, that doesn't make a lot of sense to anybody, postmodern people, right? And so we use use a methodology, and and I like Carl to start out with the one-ism, two-ism, but I use, if we're chemical machines, and that's all we are, and I, I haven't had anybody deny it, I said, then uh, helping a little old lady across the street or pushing her in front of the bus 
is the same thing, mm. right? And I said, show me on the periodic chart the uh, where love is. It's abstract, mm. right? And once I get him thinking that way, I use a presuppositional argument. But anyways, Carl turned me on to uh, uh, the oneism, twoism, and and so that's that's what we do. That's just one one example. If you're not ready to go out there for that, right? Uh, and you're just going to go out with a bullhorn. You're in the wrong place. Right. Number one. Well, you know that's one thing you can say about burners is, you know, in they're they're used to this community, and um, it, it's even one of the the tenets of Burning Man. I forget the actual wording, but sort of civil engagement, civic responsibility, civic responsibility is a big thing where everybody's you know kind of expected to help everybody, and people are. You know, is for people not in sort of a religious community. Uh, well, now we know Burning Man is a religious community, but you know, there is such um, a readiness for the most part to help each other out, and then also to receive help. They're sort of primed to accept help and to give help in any situation. It's kind of part yes. of the kind of part of the. Um, the, the social fabric that is Burning Man. Because a lot of times, if you were to, I mean, it, it, it depends, but the, there, is, there is a world in which you walk up to someone who's having trouble out here in the regular world, and you walk up and you uh, ask them if they need help, or you offer some help, or you just offer them a sandwich or something. You know, it's very suspicious. There's right. a little bit of like, Okay, what do you want? There's an expectation of transaction. Right. But burners, they're a very special group of people because they are so primed to give and receive help in a sort of non-transactional uh, manner that it almost makes them uh, much more... Uh, susceptible oh, is not oh, the right word open, <laughs> open. Ready. ready can, can yeah. i say something on that yeah. uh, you hit it the nail on the head i tell people that there's between 70 to eighty thousand people out there that would include the people that are volunteering and most of those people it's one time a year that these people are there and half of them are looking for meaning but they're there not to argue and fight, but they're uh, there for enlightenment of some sort. And what better place? Because I go to a lot of different places to preach the gospel, yeah. right? And I, you know, you get threatened, and you know, I go out maybe to talk to some Muslims or something, or some other religious group, right? And it it, it can get pretty tense for them and yeah. for me. But at Burning Man, I have that opportunity that almost everybody wants to talk to you mm -hmm. yeah right? oh yeah and they're open to a discussion i'm not saying that they're open uh you know they're going to just convert not to christianity me right there but yeah. yeah but you send them home like what carl did saying uh you know that he's he's going to tell them that about Eve, you know, that the yeah. lady uh, tell her that you're a descendant of Eve or something mm -hmm. like that. And you know that it hits. Those things stuck with me before I was a Christian. Right. Like, oh, man, that bothered me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're right. And 
I, I want to tell you something, and I'm getting a little probably judgmental here, but uh, I, I look at uh, the burners can do good things. They really can. Yeah. And atheists can be good people, but they can't justify being good because there's no basis for morality in a philosophical right. word except what they make it mean. Right. But as Christians, we can't justify doing wrong, though we do wrong, Right. So what I'm asking the people that listen to this broadcast, you know, if you have the, a gift of, uh, that you could use at a bit like this, you can't justify not doing it. Right. You know, I mean, that sounds a little harsh maybe, but not everybody can do this. Yeah. If you, you know, and so anyways. Well, I'll, and like you said, the, the, so many different things, so many different skills can be put to use in the style of evangelism that you are perpetrating here is is so practical because you know in the christian community it's very difficult for say introverts to evangelize because the thought the very thought of walking up to a stranger and asking them if they know where they're going to go when they die right. is like they would rather die than than walk up and ask somebody that right. you know that's and that's kind of the only method the only mold that uh is sort of handed from the pulpit but in your case here which is a extremely unique sort of mission field which is burning man you can be a guy who knows how to fix cars if you can change a tire you can evangelize if you can you know uh, have some tools in your trunk and uh, trust me, there will be no lack of opportunity for you to come upon a, an RV or a car or something on the side of the road that's something extremely easy to fix has happened right. that they just weren't you know, kind of prepared for. Uh, tech bros, what are you going to do? California people. You can be the hand of God in those people's lives. And what I love about what you're doing, Bob, is uh, you, you give them your number. And you say, if there's anything else you need, you give me a call. And they do. A lot of times with evangelism, one big problem is follow-up. You know, right. you can you can go to a distant land and put on a conference or a crusade or whatever and have a whole crowd of people raise their hands to Jesus and that's great. But if there's no follow up, if there's no church to catch those people, if they're not if they don't all have your cell phone number, if you know, if you just get the the sinner's prayer and then just leave, right. what good is that? And so what you're doing which is a highly practical helping people in their real lives in probably one of the most stressful moments of their month at least yes if getting to burning man is not the most stressful thing leaving burning man is definitely <laughs> right. the most stressful right. thing that they've done in the month and you know they break down they're stranded and all of the worldly economic ways out of their situation are extremely extortionist is what they are right. i mean for the businesses around burning man they do very well because they extort people who are in emergencies who are tired who yeah. are you know all those things nothing against hey i'm i'm a free market capitalist good on them they deserve to make the money they're making but when 
a guy like you comes rolling up on some burners in an emergency has exactly what they need i mean yes that's a story where they can later tell be like i think an angel stopped and had the exact thing that we needed to leave you know that's a very powerful witness is a very you your interaction with them then becomes a testimony that they can use you know that that is a sort of stepping stone on their path to christ not just yeah I, I was walking out of the grocery store with my groceries and some guy came over and told me i was going to hell that that's not like a part of their life story right part of their life story is this angel or this guy came by and saved us after the burn and it was flooded and we were tired and we were hungry and the car broke and we didn't know what to do and the tow truck was extorting us and blah 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 then you come along you act out of kind uh, act out of love is what it is a godly love showing it to them shining the light and then giving them your phone number so they can call when they're like i think that guy was an angel well the angel gave me his cell phone number so let me see what exactly okay i guess it wasn't an angel but it's a guy who has some more things to tell me um so i love that about what you do and and you're doing it in america which for people for Christians in America is about the scariest possible place to do it. Um, anyways, I wanted to tell you all that nice stuff about that. So the point being, I got it. I'm sorry, I got on my tangents again. The point being that anybody, even the most stage-frighted introvert who's so scared of evangelizing can participate in this, help their brother and Adam and be a testimony for their future brother in Christ. So everybody sign up to go evangelize with Bob. Well, yeah, one of the things that I'd like to put out uh, on this is that uh, though I was very bold when I first got saved, there was a lot of things I wasn't exposed to. And I met this brother, Scott, and uh, he said, oh, Bob, I'll be over Saturday morning to pick you up. We're going to go out and evangelize, right? I'm thinking, I'm, I'm like a little concerned about this. What are we going to be doing? So we go to the abortion clinic and we have signs and we actually talk to the people. Back then you could go on the property and, and talk to people and, and not condemn them in cosmic doom. But you know, my wife was a, a, a counselor at a, a, one of these uh, pro-life places. And uh, then after that, we went to uh, uh, a religious cult uh, church, and we were out there talking to people. And then we went to the pornography center, and we stood out with signs in front of the pornography. And so the guy who owned the shop became our friend, right? <laughs> and uh, we, my friend Scott closed down a pornography place, and uh, we even had a congressman stop by. And it became a habit. That's the only thing I'm saying. It became a habit, mm, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's. I, I was asked to give a talk one time at a church, and so the pastor was gone, and I and I said, uh, 
first I started out, you know, Pastor so-and-so is not a nice guy at all. Everybody in the congregation looking at me, right? And I, and I, and I, I want to I talk about his feet, talking about those who preach the gospel. But I said, but he's kind. Nice is pleasing and agreeable. Kind is a fiduciary term, which is I'm here for you, right? As a Christian, I want you to have eternal life, right? As a Christian, I want to make sure you're not stuck in the middle of the desert. Be, and I am going to have that fiduciary heart where I'm going to reach out to you. And that pushes you to your limits when you've got some people that come in and stay in at your house that look like like I, I, I had some transgenders that I invited to my house mm. this time. And I honestly wanted them to come. Yeah. Right? And so I'll end with that. But there... It's a lifestyle, what we yeah. get into. And you don't have to go there. You could be part of supplying tracks or uh, if you wanted to, or building a website for us or something like that. You can get involved and get the gospel out with your gifts. Yeah. So. Tell me, do you have another story from this year's Burning Man that you could tell? Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, well, okay, I do, and this one's kind of on uh, uh, a, a little bit harsher uh, towards us, but we are going by a pottery business that's been in the area for a long time, and I hadn't been there in like 30 years, and I said, these people are getting old. Let's stop in, uh, Steve Hicks is my partner, and see if they're okay, and so we went in, and I, I felt, you know, I'm going to buy pottery from them to support them and I started sharing with them why we're out there the gospel and the lady was getting upset at me but she started talking and telling me all the bad things and insulting me and doing this and every time it just opened the door for me to give her uh, you know a, a reason why we're doing this, a reason why we're concerned about him, and so forth. And this went on and on, and they told us that our uh, <laughs> that our Bible was no better than Marvel comics, and and so forth. And so this went on. And the reason I'm telling you this is that when we were walking off, the guy said, "Bring me a pizza," right? Mm -hmm. and after he told me the Bible was like Mar Marvel comics, and uh, right. so what was interesting sort of is we went you. and we bought the pizza yeah. and we brought it back to him, mm -hmm. and they were shocked. Yeah, right. Now they weren't uh, as mean the second time around, right? <laughs> and so you know, I told my son, "Well, we'll 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 bring something to him every year, a pizza or something, right? Yeah, something small." And they're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So a pizza is actually a big deal. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And uh, we also, uh, you know, ended up getting to uh, go. You know, you got a lot of cars that are in line at the gas stations, and uh, we would go and give our tracks and talk to the people at the car, the cars, and so forth. And uh, so we would start talking to a lady, and she goes, "I'm a Christian." Uh -huh. You know, she's going to Burning Man. I said, how long time did she come here? Four years. She's from Germany. And she goes, I'm a Christian, and I really don't like this event. But she says, my husband comes, and he's not a Christian. And I just go there to 
basically protect him and be there for him. And I said, okay, right? And so you run into all sorts of situations of, you know, like we, uh, you know, uh, not this time, uh, but we did run into uh, situations where uh, people, uh, you know, we had a guy that was hurt, take him to the hospital, you know, that type of thing. So there's a lot of different experiences out there. And uh, 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 one of the big things was stopping and giving young people ice cold water, Mm -hmm. bottles of water, can be a big deal. Oh, yeah. When they're broken down. We had an RV that was broken down, and they didn't have any ice cold water, and we were just handing it out to them as we, you know, help fix their flat. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I I could probably go on with things, but this time we only ran into a few vehicles that were uh, broken down. But we did give our phone number out to a lot of people. And we we actually give them advice when they're going in for the first time. Right, yeah, that's kind of another thing, a little bit of a burner advice booth, which especially if it's your first time, you know, is really incredibly valuable. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it I is. mean that's that's kind of the most va- almost the most valuable thing you can get before going in, because it really is. You can be prepared for almost anything, but if you're not mentally prepared to handle a situation, doesn't matter what you have in the, your trunk. Right. You know. Bingo. Yeah. Yep. That's a big deal. Well, thank you for sharing. And yeah, you you. I mean, the whole team here is doing incredible work, but there's room for more. There's room for more uh, involvement. Real, real quick, and I'll hand, hand it back to you, is that one time, uh, 2018, we had a, a Hindu come up to the tent. Now, Carl just happened to be at the tent at the time, or I would have been in trouble. And this guy was a real Hindu. And I said, Carl, up, you know, up and center, right? <laughs> so Carl comes out and talks to this guy. Uh, it talks to this guy. And... Uh, and the guy said at the end, I've read a lot of my uh, Hindu uh, books and uh, and so forth, but you've read more than I have to Carl. Hmm. So there's where I would fall short at. Hmm. There's where Carl shines at. Right. And we also had the guy that was uh, a disciple of, of uh, Jack Parsons, the oh, uh, yeah. uh, occultic uh, guy from uh, JPL. Yeah. And Carl and some other Christians uh, hung out with this guy all week when they were back. And he said the same thing. I've lived the occult all my life, and you guys know more than I do. Yeah. I wouldn't have known that a lot, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, were you there? No, no. But I get the same thing a lot. I mean, a lot of... uh, A lot of years of paying attention. I I ran into a, uh, a witch this year who had gigantic bone of something a giant femur bone Mm. and uh she said that she found it out there which is plausible i don't know how somebody would have brought something out but it, it was uh she was trying to get people to hold the bone and to sort of you know imbue it with she was trying to create a magical object is what she was doing but she didn't say that but she was going around and 
you know, handing this bone and asking people questions while they held it. And, and I, she walks up to me, she walks up to the group I was with and she asked somebody in the group and I just say, oh, are you trying to create a magical object? And she, and she was stunned that I even knew what this was. And she goes, yeah, I am. And the person in my group was sort of reaching out to participate in what this is. And I said, I wouldn't do that if I were you, blah, 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 blah. Talking because to create a magical object, you have to put in um, intention and stuff from either other people or yourself, imbue the object with sort of the occult power. And, uh, you know, there are times it depends if you're a good witch or a bad witch or whatever, you know, I'm sure this person would have said she's a good witch, but, uh, you know, there's not no spiritual reality to participating in something like that, you know? Um, and she very quickly got out of my orbit before I could tell anybody else what she was doing. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. A lot of people are, um, living their sort of, you know, I mean, I'll say this, we are all living our lives ingesting information at the rate it is given to us. Right. Yes. And if we are not putting ourselves in a position to ingest it faster than others, then, you know, they're going to be ahead of us. Right. Just happens to be our line of work puts us in a position to ingest information about other people's belief systems faster than they can ingest it or are ingesting it. It's one of those places where everybody out there is a seeker mm-hmm. and, yes. and, you know, there is... There is a, they are all, all students of something. And luckily for us, when we are out there, students do want to learn, which makes it a very ripe uh, opportunity for opening that discussion that you're talking about. Bob had asked a little bit about one and two. And, yes. And I think that for myself, that's something I've been using. Again, I'm going in. F- for a slightly different purpose, though the overlap is there. When the conversations come, you engage. And my goodness, we had a lot of conversations this year as we have other years, in fact. Um, and back to your point, Basil, about the fact that the burner community are prepped. They are ready to help each other. Yeah, We saw that in spades only a few days ago. Mm-hmm. As this was the first real mud burn and as neighbors help neighbors and people are helping people out and people were pulling people out and my goodness on sunday morning uh, i was at the end of a line of guys and gals uh, on a tow rope and we had a human chain and we were pulling out trucks and campers out of the mud yeah i mean people were and of course we all saw, saw the media afterwards all the stories and how it's you know the end of the world right my goodness it wasn't that close chapter 12 how to share the gospel at burning man i want to give one quick experience and i've been waiting to ask carl to talk about uh, the experience you had with the artist i think he might have been from france or russia when are you greater than your oh artwork? yeah that was back in 2017 yeah and so uh i was there in in 1998 or 99 
and I'm observing what's going on. And there was these bells of hay, and there was an old man, probably my age now, right? <laughs> Anyways, and he was sitting on the bell of hay, and I walked over to him and asked him why he was there, and he says, I'm dying of cancer. And he said, uh, he says, I just wanted to come and see what this was about. And uh, it was perfect. These dancing girls, you know, like I Dream of Genie outfits on came. There's like three or four of them. And they're dancing in front of us. And I pointed at him and uh, I said, you see those girls? They don't care about you. You're dying of cancer. You're going to be dead soon, right? And it opened the door to, uh, you know, to, to share the gospel and, you know, Christ dying for him and this type of thing. That's the opportunity that we end up having at Burning Man that could make the difference. If you really believe that we get eternal life, we have the cure for death, why aren't you there? Right? Why aren't you there? You know, yeah. and I thank God for the Christians that laid down their life every day, testifying to me, mm. right? And then the experience you had was with the artist, right? If you could explain that, yeah. Well, you know, we had some interesting ones in 2017. I, I don't know if you remember, we had a, a tent right up against our tent. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Oh, yes. Yeah. Paul. Paul from France. Yeah. Fantastic guy. Actually, I met him back in 2018 again. Right. The next year, we just bumped into each other. So cool. So anyways, uh, this camp moves in beside us. And uh, there's, a, there's a fellow from France named Paul. And so he wants to put his pup tent up against our tent so that he has some shelter from the wind. And that's cool. Go ahead. That's not a problem. So his tent is literally, I mean, bumping up against my tent. And Bob and I had never spent time ever before in person. Yeah, we had phone calls. But we'd never actually got to sit down and, and meet and even talk to right. each other. So we took the opportunities uh, every morning at Burning Man to sit and we told each other our testimonies. We talked about about scripture. We went into theology. We for the whole week in the morning we would have coffee and we would just talk Bible. We would talk Jesus. We would talk about our personal lives. We never ever condemned anybody or said how evil it was. No, there. no, we, we didn't. were talking about no because John three seventeen. Right. We're all condemned exactly. already. Right, and so anyways, must have been I think maybe on Thursday or Friday. Paul comes up to me. He goes, I hope it's okay, but I've been eavesdropping on all of your conversations. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then that same week, we had a, a young Russian esoteric artist walks by our camp, sees a sign, Camp of the Unknown God, and blurts out, who is this unknown God? And so... Come in out of the shade, here's some water, here's some Gatorade, whatever. We end up having this conversation. He tells me about his artistry. He's a oneist. We establish that very, very quickly. He's very proud of his oneism. And I said to him, so, and by this point, we already had a conversation about God and about a number of different biblical things. And so I said to him, I said, you're an artist. So are you telling me that your artwork has the same value as you. 
you and your artwork have the same value. There's no distinction. He goes, of course not. I'm the artist. And I just spread my arms out and I go, we have this incredible mountain backdrop. We have an amazing sky. We have this incredible artistic expression. Are you telling me the artist and the art is the same? And it hit him and he just stopped. And he goes, I know what you're saying. I get it. Mm. So sometimes it's just that simple. Yeah. Okay? It doesn't have to be complicated. What? You know, the gospel is simple, but it's not simplistic. And sometimes we can touch people's lives by just, first of all, it's a pretty, pretty, big, pretty big, but pretty simple thing to do. Just listen. Yeah. Just listen. Yeah, a, shut up and listen. Just shut up and listen. One. Yeah. Yeah. And then don't try to win the argument. Right. To end, end up losing the person. Yeah. Don't right. do that. Exactly. Because there's no point. I, I, I uh, just in finishing for me, is that uh, when, I be, when I became a Christian, I was basically, you know, I still am not an educated person. But by the grace of God, he gave me a heart for to uh, talk to Jehovah's Witnesses. And so I had to deal with John 1-1, so I had mm -hmm. to take Greek. I had a tutor for two years, four hours almost every Saturday on syntax and philosophy and logic and uh, amazing guy, Earl Stewart. And uh, so with that, you know, I started learning about uh, presuppositional apologetics, evidential apologetics, how to use them together. And it's like as preparing for war as a soldier. And so I have no problem with dealing with somebody who has a PhD in philosophy. I've done it and just locked them up. And they said, oh, I can't answer that. Let me get back to you, right? It's, it's like I'm preparing for everything. But when I get out there, I'm not using that. Uh, as far It's there if I need it. But it comes down to the simple gospel of Christ mm -hmm. and how do I get them to think, mm -hmm. right? Right. And if they want to go further, you know, we can, we can have discussions, right? So I... Yeah, and we've had that. Yeah, we've I think back to 410 uh, where... You know, here you have Moses, don't pick me, Lord, you know, a lousy voice or whatever, right? And so he can use any of us, right? So anyways, I, that, I'm just finishing off with that is that we should be, you know, getting, going up against the greatest challenges against Christianity, you know. I'm not going to fear it. Right. I, t I told an atheist, in fact, told an atheist, he goes, I think I could prove you wrong. And I said, you know what? I said, would you? I said, you know, I've got uh, booze to drink, I've got drugs to take, women to rape, and people to kill, and you're first on my list. <laughs> and and he started laughing, right? I said, so what are these arguments again? <laughs> and uh, we ended up becoming, we love each other now, you know. I mean, as far as we're, we're very good friends. But <laughs> Hey, you know, listening is an act of love. I yes, learned, yeah. you know, if we're looking for 
all the sorts of ways to love people. Listening is a important one that a lot of a lot of the world has forgotten about. Yeah, you know that's true. Listening is is a verb. Yeah, exactly. Chapter thirteen. Closing thoughts. Well, thank you guys so much. Now, here's the thing. You guys have both uh, given the impression that you are going to continue doing this and that you uh, are looking for ways to improve and grow uh, in different ways. Always. And so uh, if they're... Let's see. I, I do you guys, I hear we need a website. I hear we need more people. I hear we're what what's what sort of ways do you see this ministry in both of its uh, manifestations From, growing uh, and what the needs could be. I have a lady uh, that called me up and she's drop shipping tracks. I chose rate comfort to go in there read all the tracks and and whatever touches you, just drop ship them. I don't want people sending me money or anything like that okay and we really need somebody that could volunteer to do uh i'm thinking at least two websites okay you know yeah and sure. even the thing with carl i think that's a magnificent idea so if there's people that want to be involved with the camp of the unknowing god which is just a, a ministry that meets once a year mm-hmm. right? right and uh you know, I'd like to hear from them, and, yeah, yeah. and they can get a hold of me, or uh, they can get a hold of Carl. I have a vision, but it's an unrealistic vision. No, it's not realistic. With God, anything is possible. <laughs> but I have a, uh, yeah, it's a dream. I have a dream. <laughs> I have a dream that we have a camp of ten to twelve people dedicated, and we have a camp. Maybe ten to twelve camps like that scattered across the playa. <laughs> Is, was that going to happen? Yeah. Probably not. But at the same time, can we get one camp with ten to twelve people? Maybe even put a few a few lectures in place. Maybe get something in the where what when guide. Right. Have some conversations that way. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. But that would take. A lot more time. A lot of people have. involved. A, a lot, lot of people, people believing in the mission. And resources. Yeah. It is not a cheap endeavor. No. And yeah. people, people don't realize that there's actually a, a high cost. Oh, yeah. And a hard yeah. cost sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely an expensive venture. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's worth it. And Absolutely. my wife and I, uh, we lived in Bishop, California, and we moved back here because... Carl had told my wife is that you're living right in the perfect place yes, to are. do Burning Man ministry. And that didn't, you know, my wife just says, Mary says, no, we're, we got to move back there. This is what <laughs> we're called to do is to, so, so, to talk so, to burners. So here I am as a Canadian sitting in Cedarville, California, and I'm looking at two guys in front of me. Bob here is in Cedarville. He's holding down the northern gate basil is holding down the southern gate Mm -hmm. that's pretty remarkable 
the possibilities are endless folks all you have to do is open your mind to the possibilities <laughs> well if that doesn't work we're going to lay a guilt open trip on your you, brother <laughs> but basil thank you so much for taking the time to drive no, all the way up to talk thank about you this. yes absolutely i'm so happy to do it and i'm so happy uh for both but what both of you guys are doing because i would not be doing it if it weren't for both of you and i appreciate that very much and um i am going to make sure to encourage everybody now that they've heard what's going on why we do what we do and the uh the breadth of uh work kingdom work being done at burning man by such an incredibly small team on such an incredibly restricted budget you know the possibilities really uh, uh, are only limited by our faith in what God can do uh, so I will make sure at the end of this uh, program to give all the instructions and how to get a hold of you guys uh, of course they can always get a hold of me as well uh, to get involved in whatever way that the Lord is leading them to yeah. and whether that's boots on the ground getting dusty and talking to people uh, whether that's inside or outside the walls of Burning Man whether that's from home with material uh, involvement resources whatever it is there's a lot of ways to do it and the only other Christians that I've run into at Burning Man are the ones talking about taking mushrooms with Jesus yeah. and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, so, you know, there's uh, you, one might be tempted to think that Burning Man is sort of a, a uh, saturated mission field, but <laughs> it's that, again, the psychological operation that would lead you to believe that is doing nothing but keeping Christians out, uh, which I think we've decided here is not the way for it to be. Right. right. One quick thing is that the only mushrooms that you'll see Carl and I taking will be on our pepperoni pizzas, uh, <laughs> right? And I'd, I'd like to throw out one more thing. Colossians one thirteen says, For he rescued us from the kingdom or the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son those are passive verbs it means god's doing the work yeah but how do they hear unless there's a preacher and if you really believe the word of god they need to hear
dragon called out a beast from the sea. It had seven heads with ten horns. Ten crowns were on its horns, and blasphemous names were on its heads. And to it, the dragon gave his power and authority. One of its heads had a mortal wound, but it was healed. So the whole world followed the beast, and they worshipped the dragon, for that was the source of the power of the beast. And they said, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? The beast was allowed to make war on the saints, and to conquer them. It was given authority over every tribe and nation. Listen closely. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain by the sword, then by the sword they must be slain. This is a call for the endurance of the saints. Then I saw a second beast rise from the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It shared all the authority of the first beast, and it made the whole earth worship him, the one whose mortal wound was healed. This second beast will perform great signs, even calling fire down from heaven. It will deceive the whole world into making an image for the beast that was wounded and yet lived. The second beast will then give breath to this image, and all those who do not worship the image of the beast will be killed. It will cause everyone, both rich and poor, to be marked, so that no one can buy or sell unless they bear the mark, that is, the name of the beast, or the number of its name. stood on Mount Zion, and with him were the 144,000 who are sealed with his name. They have been redeemed from mankind as the firstfruits of God, for they are blameless. Then an angel flew overhead, proclaiming the gospel to the whole earth. He said, Fear God and give him glory. The hour of his judgment has come. A second angel followed and said, Fallen is Babylon, the one who has made all the nations drink the wine of immorality. Then a third angel came and said, If anyone worships the beast and receives its mark, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath. Then I saw a white cloud, and seated there was the Son of Man. He wore a golden crown on his head, and he carried a sharp sickle. Another angel came out from the temple of God and said, Go and reap, for the hour has come. The harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So the one seated on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. I heard a voice say to him, Gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle and gathered the grape harvest of the earth. He threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And when the winepress was trodden, the blood flowed from it for miles. 
the news of the day gets to feeling like a maze. It's okay, don't be afraid if you don't know what to say. Can every cry waits? When your brain's in a haze and a headline days, come on ahead my way, I can help you out the cage. Can every cry waits? Can every cry waits? Oh, can every Every day, each and every way you turn, there's another thing to learn. We're the in between the lines, thanking Jesus for our lives and eyes to see his glory shining like the sun. Run the race until it's done. Come on, everyone. commies, or cartels. Bye, 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 bye. Uh, I'm out of here. Bye. Canary Cry Dr. Support. Think outside the cage, everyone.